Game or are you just ready? When do we ever do pregame? Hello and welcome to Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast. I'm your host, Philip, and I'm here with my co-op partner, Nave. Each pod, we play through a cooperative experience, then relate to you, the listener, if this game is a criminal crime of co-op or something better off playing solo. Hey, Nave. How's it going? My friend bought me this t-shirt. I don't know if anyone has ever seen the uh, Jesus in modern day, uh, what is it, The Last Supper? It's like this really what? funny animation. <laughs> Have you not seen that video? Have I not shown it no, to you? No, I don't think so. It's just this really stupid. It's you just gotta Google it. It's on YouTube. It's it's got millions of views. Millions of views. Millions of views. Yeah. It says. Do you see it? Can you see it? Good. It says. It says uh, get ready to receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. And right before, right, he says that right before he uh, starts beating the shit out of Judas, like it's WWF. In the nineties. That's a pretty Beautiful. nice shirt. I'm rocking the uh the gorillas now now. Humility. Yep. Sick. Anyways, this we are a gaming. Yeah, we're a gaming podcast, as it turns out. So Nave, what games have you been playing? I've been playing I've been in just deeply entrenched in Japanese culture, you could yeah, say. I was gonna say that. I'm looking at like, man, these are a lot of a lot of Jap games in here. Yeah, the uh Deadly Premonition. Um, have you watched me play any of this? I've just been kind of streaming it a little bit, like just streaming it without my mic turned on. So it's probably pretty boring unless you're invested in the game. <laughs> but then do they really want a, uh, you playing it where you like the second I joined the chat, you're like, Philip, I need you to look up how to clear this chapter for me <laughs> yeah. because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Thrilling well, gameplay. The game is really interesting. Like there, it, it evokes so many different kinds of like nostalgia, nerves in my brain like it's weird like all of the things it's reminding me of don't necessarily evoke the gameplay in deadly premonition you know what i mean like one of the good examples is for some reason when i'm playing i feel like i'm playing uh mega man legends did you ever play those 3d mega that man one, games yeah that's on my current two playlist i have it like emulated on my pc i've just been waiting for a moment where i want to actually sit down and play it but that is like my retro game I've been holding on to in the back pocket. I remember I played those on the 64. I think it was like Mega Man 64 uh, on the on the Nintendo for some reason. It was something diff- name different, but it makes me think of that. Like it's the game is like Silent Hill meets uh, what is that popular? You know Gravity Falls. What is Gravity yeah. Falls like making fun of? Uh, oh, uh, what's is it the peaks or something like that twin peaks that's it yeah it's like silent hill twin peaks kind of but jap through a japanese lens and very campy i mean at this point it's it's the same as everything i keep recommending to everyone it's just way older like it feels really old for some reason even though it's on the 360 like the game is so archaic I played it when I was younger, like in high school, and I remember I only got through like halfway through the first chapter, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Because it's got like Earth Defense Force level of voice acting. You Classic, know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yep. but it's so wonderful. Like, it's great. Like, there's this scene where there's this, it's it's all about a murder, right? And you're, uh, you're, the, you're in the FBI, and you're in this little small the town. The American FBI, right? And, uh, yeah, and it's like, there's this guy, he's the rich man. He's basically Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. 
and he's in a wheelchair and he ha he doesn't speak to any of the peasants like that's literally how he's described and he only talks to his like uh like his assistant his aide and he always whispers into the aide's ear and the aide goes mr burns says this to you that's pretty good <laughs> and then but and sometimes he speaks in rhyme like he's dr seuss it's so weird but get this the wheelchair he's in is made of wood and it looks like this decorative piece on the back like it's all carved wood and he wears a gas mask <laughs> so he's definitely not evil you know what i mean okay yeah. and so you 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 go you're like okay we need to go to this diner and so you're at the diner and this guy happens to be there and he's like uh mr burn his name is not mr burns i forget what his name is it doesn't matter that much but he's like mr burns says he wants the usual uh lunch and they're like, okie dokie, it's a, it's a sandwich with cereal and jelly and ham. And he's like, uh, the, the, the FBI agent's like, oh, that's disgusting. And then he's like, Mr. Burns suggests that you should try it before you hate on me. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> like, this that's is like a 20-minute long cutscene where he's trying to convince the FBI agent to eat this sandwich, which results in him trying the sandwich and going... Oh my god, this is delicious! I'll have what he's having! And then that's the end of the cutscene. And I'm just like, great. This is, a, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm glad that happened. So much of my time. Of my day off, yeah. Well, I'm also playing Octopath Traveler. Me and Philip are both playing that a little bit. I finally got the last person. Haven't done their mission yet, though. I, the last person I, by that, I mean uh, the Beastmaster. Since you can the get them in any order. The, the Octopath. Yeah, um, I'm still not quite sure how my party's gonna, like, sort itself out, but I'm pretty sure the original four are the ones I'm gonna stick with, because it's like, I don't know, all the, I, I felt like I accidentally just went for the meta picks uh, along the, along the lines of, because it's like, everyone that I have does the same thing that everyone that I didn't have, like, the, the, the second four, but they do it to everyone, it's like, the, the cleric heals, but heals everyone, and then it's like the mage does damage, but does damage to everyone. And it's like, why would I never, why would I not use these guys? These guys are so fucking strong. It's like I'm on easy mode. So I am enjoying Octopath so far, but it is, it feels a little drawn out, a little long. But what gets me is a complaint I heard before, but I didn't even think about until I started playing the game, is because of the mixed nature of the game, where you're getting eight different characters and doing their stories in different orders. You don't see a crazy amount of interaction between party members. Yeah, see, that's something that. I heard where, like, if you when you get to the second part of everyone's chapters, it takes into consideration that you should have everyone by then. And so okay. people start talking to each other after that. But I don't know if they talk to each other in cutscenes, but someone said that it was like Tales games where they have skits. I don't know if I said that here on this show or if I said that somewhere else. Dude, I have, like, guested on so many podcasts in the past, like, month and a half that I have completely lost track of what I've said, where I've said it. I have no idea what the fuck. It feels it, – like, this, this must be what dementia feels like. Like, absolutely. <laughs> Might be. Well, uh, also, I'm playing Judgment. I don't know if it's Yakuza Judgment or if it's just Judgment, but I've been I calling it Yakuza Judgment. it's just Judgment. judgment. Yeah, right. it's, yeah, it's weird. But it's, like – I mean, it's super interesting. Like, it's just like Yakuza. So if you like Yakuza, then you're going to like this too. I don't recognize anybody. So I'm having that, I'm in that period where I'm having trouble fucking connecting names to faces. I just know what everyone looks like. I don't know what all their fucking names are anymore. But 
Yeah, the game is great. I'm just now starting to get to the point of the game where the side quests are opening up. So I just helped some uh, male idol uh, find his wig that was blowing in the breeze. And there was a whole chase mission about that. Uh, there's a bunch okay. of goofy this shit. This will go right into what I've been playing because I just started Yakuza 0. And those side missions, they really pad out the game time like a ridiculous amount. So I'm I'm nine hours in. So I just completed the first chapter where you get Majima, and it, I get left on the cliffhanger with the masseuse at the end, and I come right back into Kiru, and he's getting a new suit to go to his fancy real person job. But <laughs> the amount of time I spent as like because when you get Majima, they're like, okay, tutorial's over. Now you have basically free reign of this section of the city with the nightclub district or whatever. The amount of side questing they throw at you at that point. That killed probably half my game time with just like, oh, there's a little girl outside the arcade that wants me to go in there and get her pinky, the chestnut, the squirrel doll. And like, <laughs> you got it, little girl. It's just like every side quest that popped up and I'm like, I guess I have to do this now. Like, I'd, I'd rather not do the story missions. I'd rather help these weirdos that all seem to have problems. And I'm very helpful being a eye patch wearing uh, man that looks like the edge of knife ready to cut anyone who looks too closely at me or however he describes himself. It's great. I'm thinking of this. There's this one side mission that I'm pretty sure Kiryu does, or it might be Majima. I don't know what game it is either. It's it's in one of the earlier ones. But, like, you see this kid waiting in line for this video game, right? It's like yeah. it's like a game store. And it's got to be one of the earlier ones because it's like a eight, like a 16-bit game. And the kid is like, you know, I can't wait. I've been saving up for so long. He gets the game. You see him in the alleyway a little later. And apparently some thug ran up and stole the game from him. And you're <gasps> no. like, what the fuck? I have to go get this game back. This is a pretty famous side mission. Like, this is a pretty uh, loved one. So most people who played Yakuza probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But, like, you go and you find the thief. And the th you beat the thief's ass. And that thief is like, what? You're after the game? Well, some punk asshole just fucking robbed me from the game. Oh, and you're no. like, oh, what? Two robberies? And so you go and you rob the, the second person. You beat him up. And the guy's like, I just got my ass kicked by a Yakuza who just took the game. He wanted that game. And you're like, are you shitting me? Another person. So you go and you find this dude in the suit. You beat his ass. Well, turns out he went to that store because the store was sold out. That's why everyone's stealing the game from each other. And guess whose son that is he's like i gotta get this game for my son you gotta give it back to me kiryu please and then look who shows up the original kid who fucking who you stole the game for and turns out he just wanted to spend time with his son with this with this game and you're just like what the hell is going on it's fucking awesome <laughs> what a loop god uh it's good it's interesting because i get that it's a prequel but both neither characters are yakuza at this point and i'm like wait i thought i was gonna be in in the yakuza family but you are not no. in fact, a part of the yakuza at this point so much to the point where like uh it's pretty epic when i like uh kiru i think it's when you're fighting kuze which is like the first boss in the game kiru takes off his shirt of course because they got to fight shirtless and you see kiru does not have a back tattoo that's finished like everyone else's and i'm like oh man wonder what his is going to look like when he gets it done but i think oh, it's on one of the games yeah, oh yeah. I've taken multiple screenshots of it too because it's almost always a very emotional moment when you see his back tattoo. But um it's really cool. It's it's a it's a meme in the Yakuza community because it's like in Yakuza 1, the game is called Yakuza and you're in but before the first chapter's over, you're kicked out of the Yakuza. You're not even in the Yakuza anymore. It's fucking awesome. All right. 
But Yakuza Zero good. And uh, maybe if we uh, really enjoy it, we could do a little bonus episode where we deep dive into the series or at least the game. But probably the, the just the one game that Phillips played because I, I have a hard time spoiling those games. Like if I do spoil something, it's it's not that big of a deal. I keep I keep all of the very important parts close to the chest. Philip is constantly like, "Is Kazuma a good guy?" And I'm like, "I'm not fucking telling you. What the fuck? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> or it's like, uh, "What about Majima's brother? Like he said that he's got bad blood, but he's doing all this to help him out whenever he gets out of prison, right? Is he gonna get out of prison?" I don't know. I have my so I use my phone for the as most people know who listen to this. I use Zencaster on my Xbox. My phone is for all of the notes and stuff well i told this to philip already but i can show him this physically now there's a button like you know android has its own siri i forget what it's called bixby or something stupid like that there's a dedicated button on the samsung galaxy and whenever i i accidentally had it in my pocket and it it changed the language to korean yeah you see see this philip yeah Yeah, the moon runes i can't read that the it's it's in korean now and i don't know how to change it back because obviously i don't know how to read korean so Every time I accidentally press this button, it starts yelling at me in Korean, and I don't know what I don't know what to do. And I keep going, <laughs> change language, English, and it's like no, I'm speaking to it as if my phone does not understand English. I don't know why, <laughs> but it I can't I can't figure out. I think I have to speak to it in in Korean in order for it to start. Well, get Google Translate out. You know what to do. Get my phone to talk to itself through Google Translate. Yeah, yeah maybe. Anyway. All right. So backlog busting. I am officially calling it quits on Hydro Thunder Hurricane. I made it to the like extreme difficulty, which is brutally hard. That game is so hard on the higher difficulties. Like I have run like the same races for like an hour and a half straight. And I'm like shaving off like half a second on each run. And I still get like last place. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I am hitting like every shortcut. I'm I'm drafting the racers. I'm doing everything I can, but I am still not fast enough. These games are designed to take your money. I guess so. And I, like you said, I don't know if I have dementia. I don't remember last episode if I said it or not, but I finished Bayonetta. And the ending actually kind of wins me back because I got lost in the sauce in the middle where I'm like, God, can this game just end? But then they come back for like that ending little bit, the epilogue. And I'm like, all right, I'm back into it. Once you, you know, kick God into the sun. <laughs> And it is so good. All of these, dude. The Japanese just make good games. I think I'm just a big fan of Japanese games. I don't know. Well, it looks like you have some uh, some Japanese and non-Japanese games listed in your "What did Nave buy?" section. Yeah, I'm right back to. I kind of stabilized a little bit financially, so spending a little bit of money on myself on things that I'm not going to play for eight years. Went ahead and bought uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Peace Walker or Peacemaker. Is it? I think it's Peace Walker, and I think it Google fucking corrected. Is that the third but, one? No, I think no. Uh, I think this is like a PSP game or something. The third one is Snake Eater, and the I don't know because this is definitely not the name. Peacemaker is not the name, but um, yeah, it was on sale. Looks pretty fun. Um, I'm really bad at these old Metal Gear Solid games, so I'm hoping that this one, since it was made for like a handheld, that it's like dumbed down enough to where my fucking dumb idiot brain can understand what the hell's going on because. These games are not intuitive, like, as far as the controls, you know what I mean? Like, 5 is the only one that I could, like, actually move and do things in a way that I thought that people, human beings, can do. Where most games, you have to, like, hold down multiple buttons. Which, speaking of, dude, in Deadly Premonition, whenever you pull out your gun, you use the right trigger to pull it out. 
and then the A button is to shoot. And, yeah, okay. Classic. And, and then it's you hold down the left trigger to lock on, but when you lock on, it always locks on to center mass, which doesn't always help. So you have to aim, but the aiming is like with the left stick, I think. I can't remember, but it's so awkward. It's like so weird. Yeah, you pretty much lost me on the aiming controls at that point. <laughs> like when you need four different buttons to aim, it's over complicated, over engineered. Yeah, that's how Metal Gear Solid 2 is. Like in the in the remasters for the 360 and the PS3, I'm really trying to get through like some of the Metal Gear Solid games, and I just I don't have the fucking patience. Like I, it feels like it it feels like if any game needs to be remade, it's not the fucking first Last of Us. It's these Metal Gear games from the PS2. Jesus, please. Like these things need updated controls. Or it's like you know Resident Evil 4. Also, you could point to. I I fucker I fucking I fucking forgot I'm just gonna I'm supposed to stop yelling at the Last of Us but yeah so I bought Alien vs Predator anyways speaking of Japanese games it's pr no. produced by Sega is what? it it is really yeah it's published okay. by Sega I mean but okay. uh, so I don't know who actually but like you know I think it's just some kind of goofy shooter game so I think that'll probably be fun for a little bit you know like it's like whenever I bought the Ghostbusters video game on the 360 I was like yeah this will probably be fun for like one sitting turns out that game fucking slaps. So I'm I'm like so much more open to buying these fucking licensed games, like for real. Like sometimes these licensed games fucking kill. Anyways, uh, Rumble Roses. Speaking about killing, this game will kill your libido because it is just horny. The game. It is just a wrestling game where you're just scantily clad women. It is just the it's the WWE equivalent of what is it? Dead or Alive? Except Dead or Alive has males and you can play as uh, knockoff Bruce Lee. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, in this game, uh, it's so it's actually so fun, especially whenever you consider the 2K WWE games. Like the newer games, they're so overly complicated and like watered down with useless mechanics. Like they're trying so desperately to chase that UFC money to go back and play something that feels like SmackDown versus Raw 2007. You know what I mean? Like the fucking old school PS2 games where it's like you have the punch button, you have the hit button, you have the grab button. Have fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's actually so great, and it makes me want to go and like to a pawn shop and buy some old fucking wrestling games for my PS2 because I need I need some other things like Tony Hawk. I mean Tony Hawk's a good example. It's like how Tony Hawk started chasing skate whenever skate got super popular because the Tony Hawk games where they started implementing more complicated controls. That's where those fucking games fell off a cliff. All right, anyway. and then I see you have Dark Void on there. Is Dark Void the one with the jetpack or the one with the throwing glaive? That's Dark Sector, Philip. Get, oh, okay. your, get your double A for second, third person shooters right. I don't know what fucking, I don't know how these games play. Dark Void does have a jetpack, but I haven't played it yet. The only game of these I played was Rumble Roses because I was like, okay, I've got to check this out. I got to see, I got to do some research. And turns research. out it's, so, it's super fun. But yeah, Dark uh, Dark Void is something that I remember being like $2 at GameStop for like years. Yeah, it sat right and next so, to Nier, the first one, Nier 1. Yeah, so maybe this game will be better than Nier. No, no, <laughs> near slaps. All right, well, that's all I bought. All right, uh, at this point, I want to thank our Patreon backers, Michael Superbacker and Pinecone. Can do it without you, boys. Nave, what do we have in the Twitter sphere? Give me a second. <laughs> well, while he's updating that, if you guys like what we do and want to see us do more content, how about you go down and you know put a little little cash money into our Patreon? How much time do you need? Do I need to keep going? No, I'll just read it from here. I'll Maybe update it later. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got write-ins from Play Along Podcast, 
uh, a random gamers corner and Friday night game cast. I don't know their ads. So I'm just looking at them from right here. All right. What, Phil? Start the break. Gonna... God damn it. And the music plays. And we're back. Gears of War 5, developed by the Coalition, published by Microsoft in 2019. With an all-out war descending, Kate Diaz breaks away to uncover her connection to the enemy and discovers the true danger to Sarah herself from the Microsoft sort. They were really specific with their description in this one. There was no fluff. Sarah is the planet, right? Like, Gears of War does not take place on Earth. Gears of War is in a galaxy far, far away. But it seems like there's a lot of Earth-related stuff, and every time we saw it, we'd be like, oh, Nave, they have cigarettes on this planet, or they have tobacco here. You know, be like, yeah, like we were in a library and there was a teddy bear, and Philip was like, hey, look, the bears c- exist canonically on this pa- on this planet. Not that it matters because we've seen other animals, and usually they're like monsters, like Ugly the horse, who looks like a horse combined with a hippo combined with a rhino, dinosaur thing almost. Yeah, it's got, like, on its fucking nose, it's like, you know, claw hammers, how it has that little piece where you yank the nail out of the wood? Yeah. It's got that on its face. I don't know how that evolved. I don't know why there's... You just have to Google images of that one. So, there are a lot of very strange animals and creatures that we see in this game, and we just kind of ignore them, and we have teddy bears. I don't know how bears showed up, but we're just nitpicking. All right, let's read these tweets. All right, play along, uh, play along podcast at play along pod writes in and says, Kai's not a fan of Gears of War. Should we force him to play it for the pod? Kai is one of the three co-hosts on that show. Philip, should we make them play Gears of War? And where should they start? Kai, asterisk, I know you know this, but Kai is a stickler for story. So it may not be smart to start him off on the first game. But what do you think about that? Okay, yeah. If he really wants a good story, he'd be better off with 5, because I think 5 is the loriest, or has like the most lore, the deeper story. Maybe not the deepest characters, because that could definitely does not fall to these guys, and it's kind of weird how they handle it someplace. But as far as... mm, The problem is, like, I also have turned on the story the more I think about it, whereas, like, I feel like in Gears 5, they really pooped the bed at the end but I still really enjoyed the story along the way. Mm, Really? Well, we haven't talked too much about it. Yeah, the three of them should play Gears 5 together and just make Kai the uh, Jack. You know, (laughs) just just so he has the connection for what happens later on in the game. Jack is this little robot that follows you around that doesn't really do R2. too much. He can do like, yeah, he's like R2. He's got a little taser and he does like like uh, maintenance stuff. But the funny thing is, is that for some reason they let it's instead of two player co-op, it's three player co-op and people can take control of Jack if they wanted to. So that's really goofy. Yeah, I would but, say um, start with five. That's interesting. I would say maybe not five because I my favorite Gears of War game is, so I'm biased immediately, is Gears of War 2, like as far as story goes. And I mean, and three is very close, but two has a lot of story beats that I don't want to like obviously explain right now. So I would recommend 2. 2 is also where the gameplay got refined pretty well. 3 is probably the best example of gameplay, but 2 has a, a lot of really good story beats that Kai might actually be able to appreciate. So, 
but one's not so bad. One was really one is more like a tech demo of what is possible with these games because Gears of War one you have to remember came out so early in the 360s life cycle. It was launch title, I think, or really close. Yeah. Like I remember, and like they came the out first with Gears of War Ultimate, was like, just has a bunch of better textures and stuff. So that's the one you should play. But yeah, yeah, that sounds like the better play. All right, from Alejandro. He says, Alejandro the... from a random gamer's corner. Oh, good save. He says, out of the Gears of War games, do you feel this one has the best gunplay and story? We already kind of touched on the story bit. I really enjoyed the story. Is it the best? Uh, we'll, we'll talk it out. Gunplay. The gunplay is really good. Better than 4. And I thought 4 was good. Like, I, I'd i have to go back and play 3 to see how uh, 3, because I 3 was the most refined the game was. But this one might take the cake because when we just jumped in some multiplayer matches me and you were having a lot of fun just playing the game yeah and the muscle memory came straight back to us like we were talking about in our gears of war 4 episode where from now on let's just cut the of war but <laughs> this is so gears. redundant at this point but yeah gears 4 we were talking about yeah our muscle memory just came straight back when we went in our 1v1 and it was super sweaty well we played probably about an hour and a half of multiplayer on our last day of playing this game and boy does this game get so sweaty it is so fun like i i miss it i miss it so much so alejandro wrote out gow games now i've been seeing tweets about this i think it was like the game awards twitter account that tweeted this out but it was like when you see gow do you see gears of war or god of war I what do you gears think about that you said gears of war well you you are like completely anti-sony right not that you hate yeah. the no, I'm just not in the ecosystem at all. Yeah, so, but this is the funny thing. I always see God of War because I always think of Gears as Gears. You know what I mean? Like, I would never abbreviate Gears of War as GOW. I would abbreviate Gears of War as Gears. Okay, yeah, I, same, but I have seen it both ways as well. Because if you abbreviate, if you say God, you want to play some God? <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> that doesn't work. Anyway, Friday Night Gamecast at Friday Night Gamers with a Z. Uh, they said, did y'all feel tense at all? Okay, hold on. Did y'all feel tense at all throughout this campaign? Were the stakes set appropriately for you, or was there more of a mindless shooting spree? The y'all and all so close together, that really fucked with my brain. So, as far as, like, if I just step in real quick, I think this game is paced really well. It is a classic... Well, I think it's a, it has literally a four-act structure that you play through where there is like a strong opening to kind of set the stage. You have a meaty middle where you get almost like an open world to explore in two separate biomes, and then you come back for a big finale at the end. And so I think the pacing is really done well in this, but what's your take on this? There's a lot of... It's really evocative of Gears of War 3, which is my second favorite Gears. The, there's a lot of like moments where you just get to sit around and like take in the atmosphere, take in the lore, like hear people explain stuff. Like it's it's not always shoot, 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 run, run, run all of the time, which a lot of games do that, and it, you become desensitized to that. Which I was mentioning when we were at the end of the game that we were slowly becoming desensitized to all of the action because the end is, of course, the climax of everything that's been happening. So it's kind of hard to avoid that, but. As far as everything else, like sans that fourth act, it's 
really interesting how well they were able to pull it together considering how bored I was of Gears of War 4 story. I was kind of expecting to not care so much coming in here, especially about the new characters, but there are things that happen in this game that I was genuinely upset about. Now, was that because of the new characters or was it because the old characters were reacting to things? I don't know for sure. Maybe we'll dissect that a little bit further, but... So I do want to lead up at the top. There's going to be heavy spoilers for Gears 5. I know it came out in 2019, but still, I think just in the top, I think this game deserves to be played uh, and not spoiled. So turn off the pod. Come back later. We are going to argue, though, quite a bit. Like there was, So you can go and watch our stream of this. I don't know how long the VODs stay up or if you have to save them or something. But me and Philip legitimately argued for like 25 minutes straight about a specific story beat. And whenever you come out of something like that, and we weren't like mad particularly at the game. We were a little disappointed. But we had such conflicting ideas that I'm like, is this good for the game? All right. Let's just start hitting the story and we will find out more as we go along. So I want to go by the axe because I feel like that'd be the best way to explain what's going on. So act one. Humans are under attack. Surprise. The swarm from 4 is still attacking big. Uh, We are doing that desperate human Gears of War thing we always do, where we're like, we gotta blow up that emergence hole. Let's get them, boys. And then we go with our chainsaws and cut them in half. And we have to evac a bunch of civilians from a a prefabbed Gears city, or whatever it's called, Cog City. That's their Cog cities. We have to get all the civilians out because it is getting overrun by the swarm. There is no chance of defending this place. So everyone needs to get out. So we go in there. We have all our old friends showing up. We meet. Uh, we see Marcus. We see uh, Baird. We got uh, our people from the new game before. We got Kate, Dell, and uh, JD. Yeah, I'm like, Marcus <laughs> Jr. And uh, we get all together. And we go out there. And we even see the other Carmines are there too. And we're like, whoa, Carmine's here. They're bringing out all the characters. But Nave, things do not go well with us out in the city. I genuinely am trying to remember what the fuck happens in the first act, and I'm having a hard time. Step one, we meet another new character named Faz, a.k.a. Faz the Jerk, who we start getting backstory. Oh, wait, you skipped over something. What? The, the, The very beginning of this game is us launching a Hammer of Dawn satellite. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, we go to, like, some tropical island, and we launch a satellite... It's over in like two seconds, so we got to run home to save the city. Yeah, it's like a prologue little area. It's like the tutorial zone, but yeah. The yeah, hammer so of dawn is miffed. That's what it is. I don't know if miffed is a derogatory term, but it is now. So let's talk about Faz real quick, or Foz. This guy, he has a robot leg. First thing, we, we come into a dojo where he is fighting a robot hand-to-hand, and he instantly starts talking trash to us. JD gets in a fight with him and beats him up. And then low-key, I don't remember how it came up, but Faz is just like, hey, JD, you remember that time you killed all those civilians? In front that's of way Dale later. and Kate. Is it later? That is way, that's like in the third act. Or it's like the end of sec- the second act, I think. I can't remember. No, but the second act is Ice Planet. Or see, Iceland. Yeah, see, now we're getting everything fucked up. Well, it, it does happen way later, but it's like a revolution. It's like a revolution or what is it called revelation revelation my god dude my brain is on like stupid mode right now but um yeah so the whole time this guy's kind of just a dickhead right and the interesting thing about this story beat 
is that whenever they're talking about this, like there are supposed there was supposedly this event where there was a uh, a peaceful protest that turned violent where the cog in parentheses the police start shooting into the into the crowd and to disperse the crowd right and apparently a couple people have died well turns out that the person who was in charge of the police at that point was jd aka marcus phoenix's son one of the people we're controlling he's supposed to be well, a good boy he, he's supposed to be a good boy yeah well turns out uh dell and kate for some reason don't know about this they didn't know about that. Even though whenever it comes out, Foz is the one who blurts it out. But obviously JD knows, but Marcus also seems to know that this happened, right? And just everyone seemed to be keeping these two people in the dark about this situation. Now that's kind of weird. You know, like how would they cuz they're all on this in the same army getting the same news, right? But the so exception think, is that Dell and Kate are both outsiders that came back to the cog. Well, because... Kate was I think Kate was always an outsider. But Dell was a cog he, with JD. Yeah, he defected though. Yes, yeah, so tried did to JD. Mm. JD yeah, but, left with Dell. Okay, yeah, I get that. But I feel like that's more likely because, like, you know, everyone else has been cog the whole time, and these guys are like actively like they used to be the other side. They were a part of the people that got shot. Maybe. I don't know because it never shows you. You never see or experience this protest or anything. You only hear about it from everyone. And it's only a major story beat for the first act, right? Like then yeah. it just doesn't – it's gone. You know what I mean? And the reason no, why is you because – You say it's gone, but it's always in the back of your mind for what happens later. Well, that's that's what I was getting at is that it's it's gone because something more pertinent happens at the end of the first act that completely changes JD's character arc. Which well, go is, on, go on and hit it. Like we are evacuating the civilians. Uh, the trucks are stuck, and there is a swarm of swarm coming in. And all we have is like six of the main cogs left fighting out, and they're all our main cogs. And like, no, these are our boys. They can't die. The cogs are desperate. They always find a way to you know kill the guys and save the people. How are they going to do it this time? Which cool, uh, cool thing to point out. This game has a lot of set pieces where you have multiple people fighting. Like, usually you have two to four people in a Gears of War game, but in this game, there are a lot of holdouts, set pieces where five, six, seven different main character cogs are standing around helping each other and fighting. It's really cool to see. Um, anyways, what happens in this area, we've got Del, Del, JD, Kate, all the controllable characters, Jack 2, I guess, and then Marcus, the new Carmine, Foz. That's everyone that's here. And the new car mine, this sister, is driving the trucks with all of the civilians. She's in the front of the in the pack. She gets stuck. All of these enemies are showing up, a whole bunch of swarm acts and everything. Now we have the Hammer of Dawn online. We aren't we only have one satellite from the first act. That's the only satellite that's in the air right now. But there's not enough satellites, nor is there a way to pinpoint a, a target a paint a target zone reliably. So what JD decides to do is he radios Baird and he goes, Hey, just target my location from my tracker and deviate from me. Like, just make it, make the target, like, just, I don't know, 50, 70 meters away from me or something. Now, what the Hammer of Dawn is, is it's a giant fucking satellite that shoots a laser beam down from space. It's like some Star, Star Wars shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a really cool thing. Um, this, uh, so this works. Like Dell, I mean JD runs into the line of fire, and the Hammer of Dawn starts destroying everything, right? 
everything's good. Well, turns out it's not good because only having one Hammer of Dawn online makes the thing a little unstable, and it starts shooting all over the damn place. And De and Baird is not able to take control of the Hammer of Dawn in time, and it ends up just basically decimating all of the civilians and also killing the, the new Carmine that we were introduced to earlier in this act. And it's all kind of laid on JD and Baird's shoulders, right? Which it was technically JD's call, and it was Baird who pushed the button, because Baird could have easily gone, nah, I don't want to do this. They kind of pull a spec ops the line on you as close as they could possibly try to get to it. Okay, so this is definitely interesting because we get the order to retreat, to leave the city because everything is going up sideways. Just get out of there. Like, they, like we get orders to leave, but JD pulls a Marcus and tries to be a hero, and I think that is like the most defining character trait he has ever had, is that JD wants to be the hero. And you can see why. I mean, his dad is the, the killingest dude we've ever seen. So He is. And it's one thing for JD to get civilians killed once based on his orders, but it's a pattern when he gets civilians killed twice on his orders. It's, it's pretty rough. Yeah, so it's become a character trait that JD does not make the best tactical decisions. Or he has really bad luck. He has one of those two things going for him. Because the first time, it's like, he, like you, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like the, Apparently, the civilians were throwing Molotovs at the police and stuff. It's like, I don't know what you're supposed to do there. That's a, that's a hardcore thing. And it's very topical these days, so I don't even want to get into it. But the, uh, the second time, JD had no real way of knowing that the scope of the the disaster that was going to happen he was warned though he said it's not going to work it's not calibrated like i can't target with this yeah well i mean he said he couldn't target but they did find a way to use make it target right i don't know yeah, they is did. it it was never described why the hammer dawn went haywire was it uh Does anyone said even know there was a problem with the circuits and he couldn't turn it off or it was like not responding to signals anymore and so I just decided to keep. So just what might shooting. have happened was it kept shooting and JD was still the target. So it was just chasing him around, basically, maybe. He did run back to the group after it all happened. And the laser yeah. kept getting like closer and closer to him. Yeah. Well, anyways, horrible disaster strikes, which basically makes everybody start to doubt JD's capabilities as a soldier and a leader. I'm not surprised. Honestly, like <laughs> anytime something like that happens, like back in flight line maintenance or whatever, like if someone made a bad call at any point, they were just like, you get zero responsibility for like the next year of your life. You will not do anything forever. Like they do <laughs> not, they don't risk anything. Like you will not be on the flight line. Anyways, that's the end of Act 1. Does anything else happen in Act 1? Foz is the biggest dickhead in the fucking Dude, universe. He is such a jerk, constantly. It is incredibly, like, oh god. It just kills me how bad this character is, how rude he is. It's just insane. Well, and it's even, like, it's to the point where it becomes comical. Like, I was laughing at... I was like, he's... Why? Like, like, dude, like, is this the optimal strategy in a war zone? To fucking get into the... Psychologically warfare your own team. Like... <laughs> he's doing psyops on his own guys. Making them doubt God. themselves. Making... <laughs> he really hates Dell. Like... And it's... I don't think it's a race thing. I think it's just that Dell deserted. But also, JD deserted. And 
he also doesn't like JD that much, but he really hates Dell. I don't know why it was always Dell he decided to pick on. Maybe it's the bully thing where Dell is always the one that responded, so he's always the one that got picked on, right? Or something. Well, if you I don't scroll know. down, uh, I put in. There's a we discuss later different traits of Dell and JD, and the trait I put in for Dell is he's a nerd. Could also be it, yeah, because Dell is incredibly smart, apparently. I don't know if he ever displayed this characteristic in Gears 4. I don't remember. But No, I don't think so. In fact, he was almost bad because he would always lose rock, paper, scissors and everything. Yeah, he always chose rock and or something like that. And then he was like, I won't do that. And then he chose whatever fucking JD said. But yeah. Um, oh, we'll get into that later. Act, okay. act 2. So hold on. Before we hit Act 2, I think this is like some somewhere in Act 1, we meet up with Uncle from 4. And... Uh, Kate starts getting psychic, weird, uh, was it Dead Space 3, where she's seeing things. And Nave doesn't see any of this because I was playing as Kate. And Oh, yeah, this is exactly ripped straight from Dead Space 3. Yeah, so Nave is playing as Dell. I'm playing as Kate. And I'm getting these weird flashbacks to just being horde creatures. And it gets to a point where the horde attacks Uncle's base, where we were trying to get an uncle to leave because we knew the attack was coming at some point. And we're like, you need to come come join the COG. And Uncle's like, no, we will fight them and we will win. Uh, meanwhile, I mind control a giant, like, greatsword dual-wielding swarm monster marauder. And I go there and, you know, murder the crap out of Uncle. And Kate's not having a good time with this as she, you know, witnesses the death of her uncle. Yeah, things are things jump from very serious to very, you know, comical, like, pretty often but this is kind of a gears of war trait i'm honestly i think and it's like because there the the comedic timing in this game is not not terrible there are multiple times where i would start laughing at something random like even in this one situation where we're talking to uncle uh they're like you know the swarm the swarms that he's like i got these dead bodies hanging on spikes back there and they're like supposed to keep the swarm away and they're like well does it work no, not really. How often do the swarm attack? Every day. And then a <laughs> big thing blows up on the distance. And Dell goes, they do that every day? And he's like, no, not really. And then they start running that way. Yeah. Yeah, see, that, that was really good. That was a good scene. And Uncle dies. Uh, Kate is having crazy headaches. You know, she's like going full bug queen mode. And JD notices. And he's low-key. He like whispers to Dell. He's like, hey, my bud. Uh, I know Kate, uh, if she does anything strange, I want you to know, take her out. Take her out. <laughs> take her out good. You know, she might not be with us anymore. Well, Adele's JD, like, he doesn't even go that far. He's like, hey, she, you know, you know what's going on with her bloodline, right? And Dell's like, she would never disappoint us. She would never betray us. And then JD's like, yeah, but what if it's not her choice? And he's right. Because, like, there are, like you don't get to control some things that she does. There oh, are yeah. multiple like, times in this game when where Uncle died. I wasn't in control, but I had control up to that point. I made it to the Uncle, so I was killing other swarm with the giant two sworded guy till I got near Uncle, and then I lost control and Uncle died. That's the thing where like uh, there is a definite schism between the person controlling Kate and then whoever the secondary person is. Kate is the only thorough line through this game because the the second person swaps between JD and and Dell. So. The uh, there are multiple points where there'll be a cutscene playing for me, right? Like my character's like, all right, all we need to do is secure the secure the beacon. Get in here, Jack. Get in here. It's cold out there. And now I gotta close this door. Ugh. 
Kate. And he turns around, and Kate's being a fucking weirdo off in the middle of this fucking dark room. And yeah. I'm like, Philip, what are you doing? And Philip's like, oh, you don't see all of this weird shit happening? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, hello, mama. It's good to see you. As I hear a baby crying in the distance, and blood is pouring out of the vents in the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, just some real Silent Hill shit going on. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. It makes me wish that I could, you know, go back and see. I mean, honestly, I could probably just watch the stream, but... All right, that? so at this point... Uh, Kate needs to she needs to uncover her family's past and she knows I don't remember why but for some reason we know there's something going on up in Ice Death Mountain which is just a giant mountain made out of ice and we know there's like a cog facility up there somewhere and Marcus is guiding there and he's like hey I know you need answers head up head up here and we're like alright thanks Marcus and Marcus oh, yeah, this talks whole us thing, through this whole adventure the whole thing starts from her directly defying JD's orders which JD still has some sort of command. So I don't know. Like, I guess he's just that good. Usually, and we only see him in the bad times. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the other times, he's, he is, awesome, he's saving right? babies from burning fire stands or something. I don't know what's a fire stand, but you know, something like that. He's just a really good guy. Or is it like in the in the Boy Scouts? Do you get demoted ever? Like, can you get demoted? No. Or is it like <laughs> so? It's like there. if you make it to Star Scout, you never go under. So it's like I'm a star though. So it yep. doesn't matter. I'm that still I killed the boss. 50 civilians. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we are mad at uh, the Cog in general and mostly JD. So with the help of Marcus, Dell, and Kate, head to the Great White North. And this is where we get introduced to our new best friend, the Skiff. Nave, first thing I wrote, the, like right after we got the Skiff, we drove it for like five minutes and I put in the notes, the Skiff sucks. I hated the Skiff. But I actually turned back around, did a full, not a full 360, like a 180. Yeah, just a 180 because I went the other way. And I like the Skiff now. Yeah, the Skiff was tight. Like, well, I don't know because Philip, you might have wrote that because at the beginning I was mostly driving it. So if you're you're either driving or you're just sitting in this turret that's useless that does nothing, and so but when you're driving this thing is like playing fucking Tony Hawk like it this thing does Tokyo drifts you you could you have a lot of like uh, command of the fucking vessel I don't know how to fucking speak about it but it's it controls really well like it controls even better than Warthogs and Halo I would say yeah it might be more tighter tuned. Especially since like the traction was like a lot more slippery on the bottom because it is just a, I don't know how to describe it. So it is a snowboard attached to a turret car turbine thing attached to a paraglider that flies across the ice and later on the desert on like, it's like, it was like a snowmobile. It's weird, but it's cool. Yeah, the whole thing is that I guess it's too cold and too treacherous out there for normal vehicles. Because it comes up, you pass a bunch of vehicles just dead in the ice, right? Yeah, they're like, why don't we just drive? And they're like, do you think you can get a refuel this far north? They're like, well, I guess not. It's all about emulsion. It comes back to the emulsion. All right, so we drive what around the ice. Doing, yes. We eventually find and get access codes and all we need. We triangulate through Assassin's Creed towers and find the, the cog giant door because the cog loves their giant metal doors. And we make it inside using uh, Marcus's codes or something like that. And we're like, Marcus, this, the, the main door is blown up. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did that last time I was there. And we're like, what? <laughs> you were here? 
And he's like, yeah. And then we slide down into the lower lab and we're like, Marcus, we're in the lower lab. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what's down there. I never went that way. And that's where we meet Niles, the computer. Who is just Mr. House from Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, he's a TV on like a TV cart that drives around. And he's like, Kate, thank goodness you're here. Anyways, Wait, no, get- we met Miles when he was a giant computer. When did we meet Miles? The first time he was a giant monitor, and then he blows up as soon as we meet him, basically. Yeah, I think we got the lab information from him. Dell was able to hack it or whatever. Well, it was, was, it was like- Jack. But oh, when was it. that? Was that here in chapter two, in Act Two? Yeah, also? that was that was in two. And I think that's where we got directions to the underground lab. Okay, I guess I'm like I'm man, I'm delirious somehow. This is hard so to we keep make track of. To the underground lab, and this is what we talked about before because this is also attached to like an underground emulsion mine, and this is where the whole they're. They're combining kids with the the gay frogs with the emulsion sickness, and they're making mutant critters, and they find out one of the miner's daughters that's immune to the emulsion, and that is Mira, becomes the lead bug queen of all the bug army. Yeah, that is the how is Grubbs born from Gears of War 4 when Philip was like, I need to do research on this. Well, it turns out all the research just spoiled Gears of War 5 for us. So this yeah, was supposed to be a huge reveal that the Niles locusts takes were you humans. On a show and tell, and he like drives you past all the different specimens, and he's like, and this is model number one of the cog or not the cog, the the grubs. This is grub number one. And we're like, hey Nave, look, it's a sire from Gears of War three through one, you know, like it's yeah. all this stuff. And we start seeing we like even fight the greatest regular hits. locust drones in the in yeah. the end of that level. And so we're like, wow, this is really cool. This is well done. This is a great callback to Gears One through Three. So this is also where we find a lot of Silent Hill imagery, I guess, such as pictures of a girl holding hands with a monster. And we're like, yeah. Nave, what do you think this symbolizes? It's so it's so goofy because it's like the it, and Philip didn't get to see it because Philip was off uh, looking for ammo and like collectibles and stuff. And I happened to go the other way. And that was the way we were supposed to go. There's like the door and like it's the it's the generic spooky like cracked open door in a dark hallway but there's green light coming from it looks like something from uh signs you know what i mean and you're like hmm what is over there and then you push the door open creepy little girl room with like chalk drawings on the wall and i'm like philip drop what you're doing you gotta come over here i just put my hand to my ear like they do in gears of war but philip you gotta get over here and then (laughs) philip runs up and he goes Oh my god! And we're just sitting there staring at it, like it was beautiful. Like, look at it. I, I okay, so I said, "Oh my god," as in like a cringe moment. Like, we're really doing this. Like, I get not every person has played as many games as we have, but do you know how many creepy little girl rooms I have seen in horror games? I've played Fear. <laughs> I, you know, like there's so many different games that do the same trope. And I look over, and there's like a rocking horse, and I'm like, "Nave, look a rocking horse," and I like kicked it over, and it had physics for some reason, started rolling across the floor like multiple times. And it's like, like, hey, it's Dead Space Silent Hill Outlast. Yeah, this is just like every other game. And we realize, oh no, this is actually like a mental hospital underground mine testing facility lab. Yeah. They're doing genetic engineering with stem cells and shit. Oh God. Not surprised. 
So anyways, I, I mean, we're not surprised, but would have we have been surprised had you not done research? Okay, would yeah. you be like, like I would well, walk out a bit. I'd be like, what is happening? That's what I'm saying. Like this game gets the deepest lore in gears yet as we go through all this, and I'm like losing my mind. Like, man, they are giving us so much lore in this one act of us walking through here. Like, it's pretty insane the amount of stuff they just throw at you, and they're like, hey, man, uh, genetic testing on kids. Oh, by the way. Uh, the cog is still doing this. They still want to genetically modify kids. Uh, nothing's changed. The cog is still evil. This is all cog science. And Niles is uh, an evil AI computer. And he's going to help you, wink, wink, even though he looks like the the most evil scientist computer thing you've ever <laughs> seen. He's like, hey, Kate, I know that you're getting some weird connection things going on with your brain. And I swear I'm not going to do weird science to you. Crawl into my brain machine and I'm going to hack your brain with electricity. And she's you know, like, it's basically like uh, it's like a uh, it looks like a cat scan machine, and it's like I'm gonna give you a lobotomy. Trust me, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's what's that? And meanwhile, like they're like, what is this machine for? And like, ah, oh, this is the same machine we use on your grandma. Don't worry, it's it, she turned out fine, right? And, and do like, you know what's above this machine? A giant vat with the matriarch inside of it. This enormous three times bigger than the berserker from the fucking original trilogy it is this huge horrible monster above the machine you're about to crawl into and dell and dell's like don't do it this is go do it it's a bad idea all right quick note quick note at this point dell has been the best boy in the whole series he has been the dom to kate's marcus he has been in there doing anything it takes. It's like, oh, Marcus, we got to go get your dad. All right, let's go get it. You know, tells like, all right, you got to uncover your dark past and your family. I'm right there with you, girl. Let's go. I'll go to the I'll go to the great white north with you and freeze my butt off with my robot pet and do whatever it takes to help you. I'm a good guy. And do not get a robot lobotomy from the mad scientist guy. And she's like, I have to do it because I know what uh, JD said to you. I can't trust myself. And well, then this he's is like, the thing too, because this whole time Kate has been harboring the knowledge that she killed Uncle, right? Or she yeah. was at least partially responsible for getting that monster there that killed Uncle. And I don't think she's told anyone this yet. So no. Dell, for all he knows, Kate is completely within her senses. JD's the only person that's like, she might be, you know, tripping out. Meanwhile, I am tripping out. Basically, every <laughs> every door I go through, I see like a, a, a memory reminder. And it's like, Katie, come to mama. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on in here? And, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, Nave, do you want me to tell you what I'm seeing? Because I'm seeing some wild stuff. And you're like, ah, don't worry about it. Meanwhile, you're over there like talking to Jack and just having a yeah. good time. And I'm like, okay, let's keep going. Just completely oblivious to the horrible, like, mental anguish my friend is going through right next to me. <laughs> so yeah. Kate gets in the mind microwave, and it proceeds to microwave her mind. She travels inside her own brain, and the matriarch's brain, and her mother's brain, and they have a three-way brain connection where we're all like, finally, we're together again as you hold hands with your mom and the matriarch before you're like, I don't know about this. And the matriarch starts like grabbing you and consuming you. And that's what I like, you know, we're seeing. Uh, did you see that scene? I get to see this one. Yeah. I got yeah, to see It would be boring just standing there for five minutes, like nothing yeah. happening. Yeah. I and would become outside, more and more suspicious. I'd be like, this is uh <laughs> Yeah. But no, we see that on the outside. Dell is like, all right, man, this is enough. And Niles is like, hey. yeah. He literally is like, goodbye, <laughs> sucker. And then he fucking runs away on his little robot wheels. 
Then he's like, we'll get so much good data for this. She, finally, she's reconnecting with the swarm. The hive needs a queen. And he like scoots away on his little like putter TV stand. And Dell's like, no way, Jose. And starts unplugging everything while she's having like a seizure on the table underneath the microwaves. And finally she gets up and her brain is like been mutilated at this point. But she stands up and she's like, okay, I think I'm all right. Let's get out of here. And all of a sudden, the whole <laughs> facility... Yeah, the whole facility starts melting down. I don't even remember why. I think he activated a thing that was like cryo the whole place pretty much. Anyways, all the swarm. Speaking of cryo the whole place, the whole time you're going through, you know how in Gears of War, either one or two, you see all of the Ash soldiers that are are standing there exactly how they died whenever everything got glassed essentially from the Hammer of Dawn? Well, uh, there's a whole bunch of old school cogs cryogenically frozen in the in position to how they were standing and locust too like there are a lot of really cool like basically statues of a locust doing the retro charge into the stomach of a cog and stuff like that it's really cool and you can walk around beat them up and blow and smash them and stuff if you're a sociopath all right, so all the grubs are escaping, including the matriarch is loose. And so we do a Dark Souls run away from the dragon as we try to run away. And we are chasing down Niles because, you know, we got to get that guy and take him yeah, down. fuck him. <laughs> Let's get him. And we go through a huge fighting sequence where we're like freezing. It's really good. It's a good sequence. We're like freezing, fighting a bunch of grubs. We're fighting a bunch of sires, which are trying to like kidnap you, to like kidnap you and turn you into more grubs and stuff. Really cool. And then we get to the boss fight where we go into a room and we finally catch up to Niles just as the matriarch busts through the ceiling, grabs Niles. Niles says, oh my. And then gets ripped yeah. in half by the matriarch. And we're like, well, that settles that. But then me and Nave took, I don't know, 14 tries to defeat this matriarch. It was pretty painful. It was um, like it, an hour and a half of gameplay. It was just this boss. Oh yeah. we Well, I ended up getting pissed off and quitting, but honestly, it was like 1230 in the morning and i had work in the morning i was just getting angrier and angrier but uh it our favorite part of gears of war the entire franchise came back in the form of instant death for one mistake don't you love this fucking don't you love this in video games philip whenever you're immediately and immeasurably punished for goofing just one moment i get like you you want to breed like some people really like perfection in their games. And I like, we play rhythm games. We aim for perfection in a lot of games we play, but then there's also points where it is so incredibly annoying to play. Like it discourages fun gameplay when you're punished for doing the funner option. Like in gears, you spend a lot of time running and gunning, chainsawing, blowing people to giblets. And if you're going to die from an instant shot, it becomes like, I just need to play as defensive as possible just to be this level it takes the fun out of it especially when every time you die you get punished by watching the same 15 20 second long cutscene with the same dialogue over and over and over again to the point where you're just repeating it to your co-op partner oh my painful we got to finish this quick or we'll get behind her i don't even remember it's what like, they say now's our chance we got to do if we're going to kill her, we got to kill her now or something like that. I can't remember, but it's, it's like, now or never. That was it. They would say it's now or never every time. And I'm like, oh, please. And I'm just like, I'm just so pissed off because if you messed up this, this thing, if it touched you, you were dead. Basically, it was just a ghost from Pac-Man. And so you had to. But the thing is, is that you had to get really close to it to shoot it. 
there were like these really goofy moments because you had to drop it into this water so that it would freeze. And then it, after a few seconds, it would jump out of the water. Well, sometimes it would jump in your direction and instantly knock you down. And you can only Killing get you. knocked down like three times before because when you get knocked down, you can mash the B button to kind of stay up so that your friends can come and pick you up. But once you're knocked down a third time, that thing just goes to the fucking end and you die instantly, essentially. And so there's only so much of that we can take. All right, and so we, it has an instant knockdown attack where it throws spikes at you, like javelin throws a spike oh, yeah. at you, and it, it fucking literally magnets to you. Like it, it never misses. You can't dodge it. You have to have something in between you and it. All right, so we defeat the matriarch. Uh, Kate no longer has bad dreams. Everything's okay, but we know Mom is still alive out there somewhere, or something like her, because oh, I thought we killed Mom in the in the fourth game, but apparently not. Apparently not. We didn't do it. It happened in the cutscene. All right. I think that covers Act 2. I guess so. I can't remember. I mean, there's a whole lot of... There's this really cool mechanic that was cool at first where uh, when you're in the the overworld area, like yeah. Act 2 and Act 3 both have like the, an open world area that connects all of the parts together that you ride the skiff through. Whole lot of different su side missions and stuff. This is new to Gears of War. There's a whole bunch of little side missions that you can do where you can find upgrades for Jack, or you can find collectibles, you can find relic weapons. It's pretty interesting, actually. Relic weapons just being like buffed up weapons, like a boom shot that has three bullets in one clip and stuff like that. Well, while you're running around in Act Two, there are little ponds that are frozen over, and you can shoot the you can shoot the ground and it will bust open the ice, and whoever's standing over that part will fall into the ice. And you can instantly kill like really strong enemies like that. You can also instantly kill your teammates this way. Yeah, which we did. A lot, <laughs> unfortunately. And sometimes Philip would instantly kill me, and we would restart the whole fight over again that we just cleared, and we were done with all we had to do is walk away. Yep. And I would go, Fun why? times. All right, so Act 3. Uh, this is where the team... We all we get the whole team back together and we go to desert version of Russia. And this is interesting. By because the way, Gears of War is just a giant allegory of America versus Russia. What are the grubs? Mm, Gears of War 5 and Gears of War Judgment are just giant allegories <laughs> <laughs> of Russia right. versus America. Okay, so uh, we so Kate's no longer having mommy issues in her brain. So we decide to go to Russia to help Baird launch the Russian version of Hammer of Dawn. Because Wait, you're telling me that Niles told the truth? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so Niles did what he's promised, and he was maybe he was just really excited about the information he was going to get tangentially. Why was he so evil? Why did he laugh? <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't kill him, if it makes you feel any better, if you're feeling doubtful now about yourself. We didn't kill him. We just chased yeah. him to his death. Yeah, what do you think we are, J.D.? Anyway, so JD shows back up in Act 3 with Faz by his side, and this is four months later. And this, is like, some, this is a topic of conversation between Dell and Kate also. A lot of time passes between Act 1 and 2, and a lot of time passes between the beginning of Act 1 and the middle of Act 1 also. There's a lot of time skipping happening. You know how Gears of War 4 happens in like three nights? This yeah, game takes, this is ridiculous. spans a long... This is an, this is an odyssey. And so with, when Dell and Kate are by themselves, they're always bringing up how JD has changed. JD's not the same. JD's getting really buddy-buddy with Foz. Foz is the biggest dickhead we've ever met in our entire lives. <laughs> yeah, he is. So yeah. introduce Foz. Well, also, we meet up with Baird and Paddock, which is interesting because they keep bringing up the the Russians. I can't remember what the fuck they're called in this game. They're the, the Russians. Are. And 
Yeah, the USSR. And they uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is from Gears of War Judgment. There was this cool character named Paddock that was part of your squad. And then guess who shows up five seconds after I said that? It's fucking Paddock. And Baird introduces us to him. Uh, Paddock likes Kate because she's uh, fiery. And then, yeah, there's a helicopter that drops down, dropping off JD and Foz. And instantly me and Ava are like on guard because we're like, oh! Foz is here. JD is here. After all we've been through, like, how is this going to be? What top ten anime betrayals? How is how are these cog boys going to tear down our outsider fun? Because me, like, Kate and Dell have been having yeehaw adventures with Jack in the Icelands for the last four months or whatever, and now we're we were going to do this whole mission on our own. All of a sudden, these boys from corporate show up, and I'm like, what is this? What what's it, happening? It definitely doesn't help that the only person who changes in appearance in the entire trilogy so far the new trilogy of gears is jd he's the only one that has any kind of appearance uh change where J- jd before philip made a joke about how he looked just like the default fortnite guy now jd has a full beard completely bald scars all over his face his entire arm is burned and he has to have a permanent basically a uh, see-through cast that applies ice to his arm because of how much pain he's in all the time from whenever he got hit by the hammer of dawn and surviving somehow like this guy looks like a Batman villain now. Yeah. He looks like, I don't know, he looks like almost like singed from League of Legends with like the bald <laughs> head. Like yeah. he's a monster all of a sudden. And he shows up and he's like, hey guys, I, I'm, I'm here to help. And they're like, you brought Faz and you're here to help? <laughs> and meanwhile, he's like, hey, uh, you know, me and Faz are kind of, we're bros now. Can you lay off Faz? Meanwhile, Faz is like, sup losers as he walks in. <laughs> like, yeah. He's cool now. Don't worry. <laughs> And that's the funny thing, because you don't really know, but it's like, yeah, so the JD shows up, and he's just like, I, I promise the only reason I'm here is to help you. I'm doing this for myself. You don't have to believe me. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be like, here, and I'm going to be done with you. We yeah. don't believe and you they at don't all, believe you. They don't believe him at all for a long time. And I don't right, skip ahead real quick. After that. We skip almost every side mission from here on out, by the way, because yeah, we, were, we are running out of time. This. So uh, before we get away from this point, it never comes up. JD was actually just there to help. He was not doing any ulterior motives. He was just there to be a bro. This is the thing. Okay, so we got a tiny little spoiler whenever we uh, did our Gears of War 4 episode. One of the write-ins was like, Gears of War 5, the choice between JD and Dell, oh my god, or something like that, right? That didn't like super spoil anything, but that was always in the back of our head whenever we were playing. We're like, oh, okay, this is where the choice happens, right? And Del- JD's obviously with Foz. Like, so did you ever write down what I was talking about? I laid out this whole fucking conspiracy theory that I thought was going to happen because the whole time – the only reason we're in Russia is because we're going to – Russia had a whole bunch of Hammer of Dawn satellites laying around in some secret facility, and we were going to go and launch them so that we had a fully functioning Hammer of Dawn to defend ourselves against the swarm. Only reason we didn't have Hammer of Dawn before any, was because we thought we didn't have to fight the swarm anymore, you know, because, I mean, yeah. you know, we the, just let the satellites fall out of space over the 30 years they were gone or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember what exactly the lore is. Is that really the lore? I don't know. I assume so. There's so I mean, much lore. Like, how can the humans make, like, they had terrible space space program at that point because the humans were barely surviving. They were in a rebuilding phase. They were more, they were taking care of the people with those prefab cities more than they were focused on military development besides the robots, which were being used to defend the cities and build the cities. Yep. I mean, yeah, it checks out. And a lot of time has passed between three and four because of how old everyone is. But 
Anyway, yeah, that's why they're there. I don't remember what point I was making about Russia. Oh, we but... were making the point about, like, we expected a betrayal at any moment, either from, like, we were going to think either Paddock was going to do something weird because he was like, hey, you know, I used to, we killed a lot of uh, people in our own civil war back in the, you know, back in the day when we were here. And we we're like, yeah. Paddock, you okay? You know, like our, our other guy, he killed a lot of civilians in just four months ago, and we, we don't trust him. And you're talking about killing a lot of your own countrymen? The main thing, too. So what was it the thing I was I was describing? Like, it was something to do with – I was like, some, like we're going to do something where obviously Kate and Dell don't agree with it. And, but JD and Foz are, like, pushing for this other thing. And the whole time we were like, how would we ever choose against Dell? Because Dell literally has zero character flaws. He is the perfect human being as far as this game's narrative is concerned. Whereas JD is unbelievably flawed. Someone who is attempting to redeem himself, maybe. You know what I mean? And this whole time we have this doubt as far as knowing that this choice is coming up. Where Philip went off to one of our friend, one of our uh, real life friends, JD or JP. Fuck. JP. His, yeah. his name is JP. The game game guy's JD. Real life guy's JP. JP was like, you're going to be disappointed. He's already played the game. Because Philip is like unloading all of this information onto him. So, Yeah, because we had not seen the... We were on the end of Act 3 in Ru Desert Russia. And I'm like, hey man, these are all my fan theories. Like, are we going to have to make a big decision between basically the COG and the Outsiders? Is Dell going to represent a different group? Almost like, is he going to take on a symbolic form of the protesters going against the COG soldiers? Is this all going to be related to the use of the Hammer of Dawn? When we defeat the Swarm, does it get turned on the Outsiders? Like, what is the end yeah. game for this? And all He's there was like, another, there is a specific point where we're on a train and a snatcher, the guy, the thing that is literally designed to jump in, snatch up a human, run away with them really fast. You know what I mean? A snatcher shows up, grabs Dell, and as he grabs Dell and is fixing to run off with him, I'm like, this is the choice. Dell's going to get captured, and JD's going to be like, no, we have to put the Hammer of Dawn in the fucking sky. Oh, Are yeah, you crazy? So I was that that is it. Yeah. So I was like, obviously, we're going to have to choose against putting the hammer of dawn in the sky or going back to save Dell because Dell would try and come back to save us. Right. So it's yeah. but it's that's the whole point. JD's completely corporate now. Right. And also, it's the smarter decision to put the hammer of dawn in the sky. Dell probably it's a safer decision, that. too, because that would fit JD's character art at this point, because he has made two wrong calls when he tried to save everyone. He was trying to save his like, OK, we don't know for sure, but we were trying to save. The, what's up? No, uh, there's a bug in my face. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Although> you're <signaling laughs> I trying to me. kill it. So, yeah, like with the protesters, we don't know what happened there, but I assume he thought he was protecting his cogs against the evil protesters. We assume that's the only reason he would make that yeah. call, because he's a good boy. And with the laser, he was doing, he was putting his life in direct danger with the laser yeah. because he thought he could save everyone. He was going to have his Jesus moment if he died doing it. It didn't matter. And at this point, he could have another Jesus moment of rescuing Dell if he goes down our fan theory of Dell getting kidnapped. But he would actually not take the savior role in this. And he would say, no, that's not the mission. That would say so much about his character, but instead what happens when Dell is getting captured is who else but Foz, the guy who's done the, the most psychological damage to Dell, shows up, shoulder checks the fucking monster that's 17 times the size of him. They both fall off the train, and then Dell has to save Foz from falling off the train. And 
we haven't mentioned this yet, but Foz has made a 100% recovery from being a complete douchebag, and now he is un he's unlikably positive. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> to the point yeah, where you... it's like he to gets the point a backstory. I'm wondering why I'm like. Is he being sincere? Because he's always so positive. It's like I'm expecting him to be a bad person, right? I, it feels fake. It feels like they're up to something. That's what I was thinking. Like I thought they were just like a corporate bug where he's like, hey, guys, uh, I had a really good time killing grubs with you. I'm glad I had this opportunity to go on this mission. That is verbatim. Like, he says that. Foz, the meanest guy, says that to them. God, it's just, just randomly, so unprompted, just walking into thing. a building. So we find out that uh, Foz's parents are Russians, and they left Russia before the Civil War to come to the Coalition of Nations or whatever the COG is short for, and the Coalition of yeah. Governments, I think, maybe, whatever. Anyways, they they come to basically mega America and start a new life. And he gets a whole backstory about how his parents basically gave up all their culture because they didn't want to be like the war-toting Russians <laughs> that they yeah, left it's behind. Like, it's like uh, uh, they didn't. He's like, I didn't even learn my language because my parents didn't want me to be ostracized or something. I didn't. It's like there's a lot of modern politics in this game, and the funny thing is, is whenever it came up, I never was like, oh, you know, what I, mean? I was never pulled out of it. It was like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that is a thing that ha that's that's a thing that happens to human beings. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he basically describes being whitewashed by his own parents so that they would fit into the society better. And it's interesting because at the same time, you have Paddock, who is a full red-blooded Russian who is basically talking crap to him the whole time about yeah. how, like, if I saw your parents, we would kill them. You know, like stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it is not good. And meanwhile, we're like, dang, maybe Foz ain't such a bad dude. He's had a rough life. His parents had a rough life. Maybe we should all cut him some slack and we should all get a beer after this. To the point where there is a moment where you're not sure where, what happened to Foz and Philip goes, <gasps> you know, it's an audible gasp. Like, <laughs> not Foz. I actually yeah, don't want him Foz. to die at this point. <laughs> He's become nice. I like him though. But, um, yeah, it, we got it right. It's so funny how much ah, this the story is not like great, but it is interesting because it really gets your fucking noggin jogging. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. what is happening in my brain right now? Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling about certain things? And this is Especially, just a rapper on good shooting mechanics and great set pieces. Which the set pieces, they're here. Yes, the game continues to deliver. The I ah. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get into it. Never mind. Okay. So real quick, just to recap. Act two, we spend a whole adventure traveling through ice planet or ice section of the planet to an underground baby lab to escaping a cryo point of the lab, everything freezing, fighting a giant boss monster before we now go into act three where we are exploring desert Russia, which was just basically this whole city was destroyed in a civil war between two different sides of the Russians. One of them who wanted an armistice with America and the other one who wanted to preemptively hammer of dawn, nuke the crap out of America. And it turns out the, uh, the peace lovers won surprise. And you go through a whole cosmonaut training facility, a, they're literally called it? cosmonauts, which a is spaceship. what the Russians called astronauts. Yeah. Like a spaceship construction dock. And you like rebuild the spaceship by like constructing the nose cone, attaching it to the rocket. You get on a train and ride it to the launch pad. It is so cool. It's a it's a great set piece. 
and there's a moment where like you you're like we're like how do we get this train to start moving we get it moving and then we're like oh shit we were supposed to be on that and then it's like hey further down the line the fucking the bridge is is up and we're like get on the skip we gotta go we gotta go the bridge it's, it, there's a lot of uh, really cool, interesting, and the, in the middle of that, our favorite mechanic from Gears of War 4, the lightning shows back up. The lightning from the to the, the what wind is it? Flares? The storms, wind flares. Wind storm. That's it. Yeah. It was, anyways, it's not that bad. They fixed it. It's not instant kill anymore. You can hit like three of them before you die. Thank God. Okay. Which we did so, die to them once. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, we get the rocket together. Uh, we find out that we are not getting betrayed by anyone. Everyone is in fact a good boy. Uh, we then are about to launch the satellites and a giant sand kraken shows up and starts attacking us. We fight it. It's kind of vanilla. But then what actually kills it is the rocket taking off. The exhaust cooks the sandworm while we're trying to escape. And we're just like running down like underground tunnels while flames are coming up behind us. And they've even got downed at one point. I had to run back for him while we were still taking damage. And I'm like, God, oh, Nave, you got to move. <laughs> Well, the thing was, is on the walls were pipes, and then randomly there would be like a little red spot on the pipes where flames would shoot flames. out, and I yeah. got got right in the face by one. I was like the last one in the running away segment, and I got got by one of those things. All right, so I think that pretty much covers Act 3. Let's t- let's hit some character moments before we go to Act 4. Uh, throughout this point, we had kind of a couple different scenes. I don't remember exactly where they were, but one of the best quotes uh, from Marcus was somebody said something to Marcus. This is an act four. This is the beginning of act four. Oh, no, that's act one. This one. Okay. I thought you were going this act one. one. Where they, someone says something to Marcus, and Marcus doesn't respond. But instead, the subtitle says, low, displeased, growl. As Marcus just goes, Yeah. I just want a screenshot of that. That's a good that's reaction image. All right, you want to do the other Marcus quote <clears throat> that just stuck, to, stuck out to me? Oh, okay, so this is at the end where this is the first time Marcus meets Foz, as far as we're concerned. And so everyone loads up into Baird's uh, little computer lab, and they're talking about the strategy to defend the last the, the city that they're in. Foz is, like, trying to throw his two, pe- two cents in, and Marcus, sitting down, go, looks up and goes, Foz, he's like, uh, you're Foz, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm Foz. And he's like, shut the fuck up, Foz. <laughs> yeah, and he, and like finally walks away and just sits in the corner for the rest of the cutscene upset we were almost like that was like a a slam dunk that had been set up eight hours earlier in the campaign we're like someone needs to tell this dude to shut the fuck up and finally it <laughs> happened and it was from marcus the one we would want to say it too you know and especially because Foz immediately goes yes sir and then he walks away because Marcus is the killingest dude everyone knows. You don't fucking say no to that guy. God. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think of other character moments. Uh, so we do see one moment during Act 3 in the desert where JD tries to talk to Baird. And this is four months after the incident with the laser. And Baird still does not want to talk to JD. It's not that he blames JD. I think he's just in a stage of like grief this is yeah he's still not over it and he's not ready to accept an apology from jd or to even work through that feeling of it was his satellite it was his button that he pushed like he could have said no and he didn't and so he blames himself jd blames himself too and they both are trying to take the blame from each other but they can't communicate and that was actually a really good character moment there are there are genuine 
genuine moments in this game. Like under genuine underlined three times. Like there are there's a moment in the in the later uh half of act 4 that I want to get into where I was not having a good time like watching it. Like I was it was fucking me up. And we're definitely going to get into that, but this is another one of those moments where Baird, you can it, it the acting, the voice acting, the character models, everything about it is very well done and it's presented in a very mature way and i don't know it it definitely because everyone has felt some way some similar way like some sort of grief that is almost mutual where like you can't talk to the person that is associated with that grief you know what i mean everyone's felt that yeah it's heavy so do we have anything four. else yeah act four. I, this I think is the big one to act four act four homecoming Humans still under attack. We we launch the satellites. We make it back. These satellites are, you know, older school. They require larger beacons to communicate with that need to be carried into the battlefield. And these are like the size of R2-D2. They are huge. And they just gotta, you just gotta tuck them in there. This is really intense because we are in the final city. The city from, I don't know what the name of the city is, but is the city from the first game, maybe? Where you have to, like, fight up the, the halls of justice or whatever. It's like Well, that's stairs. the thing. I think the, I think the city is, it's like new, it's new something. But I'm pretty sure it is built on the rubble of the old city. Okay. That but you sense. do visit at least one other place from Gears of War 1. And the, the reason why is because I we went through, we got almost all of the collectibles except for Act 3 when we started skipping a whole bunch of side missions because the side missions usually just ended in us getting a collectible, right? So yeah. it wasn't that important. Well, I was looking at a list of, of collectibles, and one of the very last collectibles you get are uh, Captain Min's cog tags where General Rom killed Captain Min in Gears of War 1. That's one of the last collectibles. It's, it's and it's in front of that street, in front of that building where I was like, "Oh shit!" From Gears of War One, you know what I mean. So yeah. it's like this is really cool, really cool yeah. callback. So this is our big homecoming moment. We have all the characters back together, and we start placing the beacons down. If we can get all three, was it three or four? I think it was three. I think it might get- have been four. So Clayton Carmine had one. Cole had one. Marcus had one. We had one. And, and if we can Foss place had one. All Foss had one. There was five. five okay, if we can place all five of them, then we can target the beacons remotely at that point, I think, and just laser anybody that gets in our way. Like, we don't need cogs on the ground at that point, and we can defend the whole city. Even if we turn everything to rubble, we will kill all the swarm. I think the way that it worked is, so they had a range of effect. If you think about, like, a like League of Legends kind of thing, yeah. where you could see the area in which... So there, so there is a point where a broomax shows up, and... Uh, jd or someone is like why don't we just put it down right here so we can start shooting the hammer and then baird is like no 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 don't do that we need to maximize our range do not put it down there go to the other courtyard on the other side of the building you know what i mean and then put it down and marcus is like are you fucking kidding me you know what i mean <laughs> Classic fucking, marcus yeah. yeah but uh yeah so the 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 whole point of it all yeah i think it's just so that the i think we need those those beacon things so that the hammer of dawn the traditional one that we're all used to the little gun which yeah. it gives us we get the hammer of dawn back philip uh, it gives us the hammer of dawn we need that uh, zone of influence i guess all right so we go through all this we have what we believe is like the final one we're setting it up and the sand kraken returns slaps a giant tentacle down and just crushes 
our beacon. And Kate's like, no, we need that beacon. That was the last beacon. And guess who the tentacle leaves behind standing in his path? Is it uh, Dom from... No, no, it's not Dom. It's it's Mama. Mama from uh, the fourth game or whatever. Kate's mom. And she's like, you're not my mom. And she's like, but you're my daughter. Come to Mama. And, and starts to like basically choke the life out of Kate and everyone's like, no, Kate. And since like the Kraken showed up, everybody dropped their guns for whatever reason. Instantly the squad Dell and uh, Marcus jr. Sprint up there and try to attack the queen with their like army knives at that point. And they start getting the, the life choked out of them too. Yeah. So basically at this moment, yeah, we were like, Oh, is this the choice? Cause at this point we kind of forgotten about all of that. And so, Hold on. He's got to beat his dog. Hold on. Animal control, you know what to do. Shut up. Ooh, you're about to, ooh, you're about to lose your life. Don't worry, I'll right, have uh, Yeah, a friend, a friend came over and he, uh, he left his, uh, cookout stuff, like his tongs and his spatulas and stuff over Not here. Not the tongs. And so he went, he went to. Did he do some, some clicks to make sure they were still good? <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's the, uh. That's the procedure, the right? Yeah, yeah. Do an op op check. Make sure it still works good. All right. Anyways, what was I saying? Uh, it was just I was just confirming what you said. Yeah. So we com kind of forgotten about the choice at this point. Molly, I know, I know. She's very upset. That's okay. Keep going. It's not that loud. She's mm, she's very upset. It doesn't matter. I don't. I have no idea what we're even talking about anymore. Oh, this is where the choice happens. And we were like, up to this point, we had already discussed, like, if I get the choice, which I'm Kate, so I'm assuming I'm going to get the choice because Dell's not going to get to make the choice in his own life. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to choose Dell because he was a good boy. And like, I didn't even think about it. I just clicked on it and I saved Dell. And then the queen is like, you made your choice and you chose poorly and snaps JD's neck. And we're all standing there. And we're like, JD, no, he was only five days from retirement. Yeah. So. This is weird. Yeah, this did not sit well after it happened. And let's just get it out of the way right now, because I'm sure our regular listeners are waiting for me to bring it up. It's really reminded me of how Joel dies in Last of Us 2, where it didn't seem correct in a literary point. Like, it, and it was even weirder that you got a choice. There's so many implications down the line that we're going to start talking about later. But watching J watching JD die, he had absolutely no ability to redeem himself. He was the most flawed character by far of the entire cast, right? Besides maybe Foz, who who's his biggest crime was just being the biggest fucking dickhead and, and insensitive person in the world. <laughs> but JD had a lot of things he had to atone for. And him dying right there... I'm already getting into our argument right now. So me, this is oh, the point that I mentioned at the beginning where me and Philip argued for like 25 minutes straight live on stream in real time about why Dell, why Dell or why JD would be the proper person to die there. And that would be my first point is he had so much more that he had to do. So yeah. on to, before, as a, as a context, as a prefix for all of this, there are, as far as my mind goes, there are three results that come from, this kind of huge choice at the end of this game because there is going to be a gear six. The first thing is that it uh, the game they're going to take it's going to be like the first two are going to be like oh it's like Mass Effect where your choices are taken into account or like a Walking Dead or the Telltale game right so it's like okay either a they take into account 
your choice, but they sideline either JD or Dell. That way they don't have to like incorporate these huge different personalities into these into this puzzle where they might not fit, right? Or yeah. B they take into account your choice and they do do that. I don't know how the hell that fucking works. And then C money, just more money. There is a canon ending and the choice is arbitrary, which immediately scorns the people who went with either Dell or JD. You know what I mean? Which was our first immediate, that was the, like our only point or common ground, right? Other than that, we were, we were on fire with each other, weren't we? I know. Well, it's like my canon ending is now that Dell lives because I also thought like, JD had his chance. He tried to come back. He he was a good bro in the end, but he screwed up a lot in the middle. And I was role playing not like as I don't know. It's hard. Like if I was I was playing as Kate, and I just went on big you know ice adventure with Dell. Like he he was he felt like my dom. So I'm yeah. gonna choose to protect him. Not to mention he seems so much more useful in a tactical sense than JD. JD is a killing in dude. He kills a lot of dudes, but he also made some Sometimes calls. his own dudes. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but Dell, he's very tactical. He works to improve the technology we have because apparently he's a super genius that can just make inventions in the middle of the field. He can hack computers that are encrypted and do all sorts of crazy techno wizard stuff. And he was very useful. He's almost like an adopted son to the Baird, or like he's the sole successor to Baird, whereas JD was supposed to be the follow-up sole successor to Marcus, but he was failing. He was not performing as well as Marcus did in Gears 1 through 3. Which what the, which was bringing up to me the the whole redemption arc that I was hammering at before you started talking. I think that Dell dying, you don't lose so much as you don't lose nearly as much as you lose from JD dying. Now, there was the choice where it's like you you have to save either Dell or JD. I'm not even sure if it's presented in the way that it is a choice. Like remember in the original Walking Dead where you have to save the chick or the dude and like you have no context that one's going to die. You know what I mean? It does not let yeah. it let you in that that's going to happen. I think this is a similar situation, and that's a point to Dell surviving, which is I believe that Kate would – the first person would be Dell probably that she would go after specifically because of the whole ice adventure thing. But you lose so much narrative potential by, let, by having JD die just from everything that I've already said. Dell, on the other hand, is literally just good forever. Like Dell – never has like negative traits he never has besides rock paper scissors that's the only thing dell is bad at right <laughs> other than that he is the most uh, loyal companion that you could possibly have that would have much more narrative impact to kate losing him further down the line obviously marcus phoenix's son dies and you eventually have to tell marcus that and this is the moment where i was describing earlier that I was not feeling good when I was experiencing this. Marcus is the blood, he is the pumping heart of this franchise. And he loses so much throughout this series. He loses his wife, he lost his wife, who it's it's thought that at the in the act one, she's brought up a bunch of times. In act one, she's brought up more than all of Gears of War 4. 
because apparently she's like the head of the whole baby making thing. I don't remember what that's all about. But you, well, she it, volunteered it's like, to have a genetically modified child that was JD, and she was like one of the first ones to volunteer. So that's what's going on. Okay, yeah, she's brought up a whole bunch. He lost her. He loved her. He he's gonna lose JD as well. He's gonna lose Dom. He's gonna all think of all of Delta Squad. He's like constantly going through this cycle of grief where it's like this guy's never winning even though he is like the bravest most stalwart fucking soldier that the humans have ever seen and it was so much more emotional than del dying because it was happening to one of the original characters you know what i mean and i don't know if that's just my nostalgia glasses kicking in but at the same time why does marcus deserve that in a literary sense why would he deserve that okay i see what you mean as far as like a like a moral fable to it. Like Marcus is the hero and he has done almost everything right at this point. And he has even like suffered the brunt of injustice with him being imprisoned, trying to save his father back in the first game. But don't you think it's almost a little more poetic because Marcus killed Mira, which is the mother of this weird brain queen thing that just killed his son. There is poetry to that. Then there is a time for JD to die. Just like in The Last of Us, there was a time for Joel to die. But we brought this up at the end when we were watching the credits, where if JD went off and sacrificed himself in some way, like JD JD dying in a way that makes sense, that redeems himself, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like oh, the, you were talking the, about the running savior, off with the hammer of dawn. Yeah, like redemption type thing, where he's like, one more time, Bear, target me. Or something like that. But it's weird because they do that for a different character later on. That could have been JD's death scene. And it would have been so much more... Impactful. Tasty. Yeah, yeah I guess. Impactful yeah. is a better word than tasty. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a lot more satisfying. M- meanwhile, it's like, I'm sitting here arguing that Dell should die. But I'm not arguing that in that moment someone should have died. I'm arguing that the choice, in a, I- as far as my brain goes is skewed towards jd but i don't think anyone should have died there yeah the choice <laughs> is bad situation the choice it doesn't is make bad sense. the reason is bad she just leaves after she does it like yeah, it's like that's the thing. it's like i'm gonna show you how evil i am by killing one of the main characters and i'm like are you really evil or is this just like them trying to stab us in the heart which i was like this is stupid this sucks and then marcus rips rip, the way that marcus takes it the news which is obviously very terribly I, I was like okay well now i'm stabbed in the heart but i was thinking back i was like if dell died would i fucking care i don't think i, I would care that i'd be like man dell died that was a good character he was fine i don't think i would have cared the only reason i cared is because of marcus like if dell was attached to anyone in the old like if dell was like cole's son you know what i mean and then we had to tell cole we'd be like cole i'm sorry i couldn't bring your bo- baby boy home and we had to watch Cole grieve. Like I would freak. I would feel like shit too. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep this conversation going. But let's bring in the, more of the facts. So later on, we get a big moment where a giant sandworm shows up again, where we it's already back or whatever. And we have Cole, who's in a giant mech suit, and he like save us. And the giant sandworm grabs the mech suit and rips in half. And we're like, did we just lose Cole too? They're like, no, we didn't see a body. They're like, no way, they didn't yeah. kill Cole. Well, that was the thing, too. So we were both in denial. Like, there's no way Cole just died. The It's a huge mech he's in, and it ripped the mech in half and then just threw it away. And I'm like, Cole's not, like, in the middle of the mech, no, right? he's in the top half. <laughs> it, which is, spoiler alert, Cole didn't die. 
No, he's okay. It, it even happens like the immediate uh, dialogue right after that is, "Did Cole just die?" And Marcus is like, "I don't know." You know what I mean? It's like, but probably not. Yeah. Okay, so we get in a big sandworm fight where we use a railgun call back to Reach, Halo Reach, and that was cool. I don't know. Actually, this fight was kind of gimmicky. I, I didn't like it that much. Yeah, but... the fight sucked. It was literally a copy paste of the original sandworm fight, except instead of, well, nothing happened in between. The sandworm just retreated and came back every time, but this time the waves were shoot it with the railgun. And if you lose, you have to restart the whole fight all over again, along with the cutscenes. Also, instant so, death. So it's like, yay. Yeah, fun, instant death. Not to mention instant death for us, instant death for our AI compadres, which would also cause us to die. Yeah, it's like, oh no, Foz died. Aww. How will Gears ever continue? I know it, it reset when Marcus died, and then like I saw Foz get sucked in, and I'm like, I wonder if it's going to reset when Foz dies. Like, do we care about him? <laughs> And yeah, yeah, we care about him as it turns out. So the final, the big kibosh at the end is we are like at the main armory building. Uh, Baird's lab is underneath the building we are currently in. And we're like, oh no, this is our last, our last stand against the giant sandworm. We finally get it like stunned, but it's still like fighting. It's hanging on. We blow off like three of its giant sandworm horns from its head. And all of a sudden you're boop, 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 boop. And Bear's like, what are you doing? The laser's back online. Oh, no. Jack is taking control. He's hacking the system. No, Jack, what are you doing? And then Jack makes the laser target him, flies down the throat of the sandworm, and then a Kamehameha from the heavens comes down, incinerating the sandworm and Jack as it targets him because they didn't have any targeting beacons left. Jack being the best character in this entire game, by the way. Jack's a robot, but it's not his fault. (laughs) it was very sad when jack died it actually was more impactful when jack died in that cutscene than when it gave us this arbitrary fucking agency to choose between dell and jd because all that did was tear me and philip apart because the the choice that happened the the fact that it was a choice caused called into question everything like for in a in a a large scale i don't know if it was just because we were watching this game analytically because we're going to do a podcast on it later so we were trying to get all this information in our brain but the implication i i feel like i would feel the same way if i had just experienced this and not been on a show later you know what i mean like i would have been thinking about what the fuck the future of this franchise is and at this point like you guys can come back and listen if the if gear six has come out we probably sound really dumb right now but it's like if there is a canon ending, that's going to fucking suck for a lot of people, right? If there is a canon ending to this game. Like, it's fine in Mortal Kombat, but that's because there's 50 fucking characters in that game. Not every arcade ladder ending can be real, right? It's what do like, you mean? It's like, I <laughs> thought that mocap's ending was real. The guy with the <laughs> balls about all over him. Is he still yeah. in there? Bo Raicho's ending should have been canon. But it's different. There's only two choices, and they both do completely different things as far as the game is concerned. And this, you brought something up, and it lit a light bulb in my head, and I'm glad I remembered just now. You were talking about how Dell was essentially this kind of spiritual successor to Baird, right? Which yeah. I think that even that's fake. I think that even that's fake news, Philip, because we what? played a little bit of Hive Busters, and guess who's in there? Cole's daughter. And Cole's daughter is even smarter than Dell. Did you hear how smart she was? Oh my god. Anyways. So stupid. Yeah, yeah. so this fucking simple fact, because I think you're correct. I think he is a very similar character to, to Baird. He tinkers with stuff. He is the one who's upgrading Jack in the field as we're going along. He's the one putting all the pieces onto Jack and making him do extra stuff, right? So Dell would have been relegated to this Baird character. JD 
likely would have been like relegated to similar to what Marcus was in this game. Marcus, for most of the game, was just on comms with you guys. Or Anya, even a better example. That's his mom. Anya was always on comms for the first two games. She showed up in the third game as a playable character, and that was cool as fuck. But it's like, I feel like the game, Gear 6, is going to acknowledge who you, do, who you let die. But it's also going to sideline that fucking character, which bothers me. Either the game is going to sideline that, sideline the characters, or the game is going to canonically have one or the other. And either way, I don't feel good about that. So it begs the question why they even thought it was a good decision to have this arbitrary choice to begin with. I don't know, because it, it see, it's a bad choice. Because after we, we didn't even know Jack was going to die later on. And after that scene, we had like the Marcus scene, and we were just talking about while we were fighting. And I'm like, I wish the choice was Dell. Marcus Jr. and Jack, so I could choose Jack and let the other two die because I don't <laughs> think the choice matters, but I want Jack with me. And I didn't realize how much I like Jack because we've had him the whole game and he's always been like the dog sidekick and we're always yelling at him, Jack, go pick that up. Like, open that door. Jack, go do this. Go do that. Jack. And like, he's like really strong with his flash and I'm always making stupid jokes like, Jack, Jack to the past, Samurai Jack. Yeah. Like, just doing stuff like that. <laughs> Well, it's great because this game is three-player co-op, and the third person plays as Jack. So that could have been a Gears of War 2 moment for whoever happened to be playing the character. That you're like, surely nothing happens to this stupid robot, right? (laughs) Surely. I've been this stupid robot for the last six hours of gameplay, and I die? Are you kidding me? And, And you sacrifice yourself. Your death means more than JD's death. Or, or Dell, whoever dies there. Yeah. Like, what? I, it, that's what I'm saying. It means nothing for JD to die there. And JD had so much shit he had left to do. Dell had no, Dell had no nothing. Del what did Dell did not have? have? much of a future, at least not laid out in the narrative, besides just being a good, reliable boy. Do you not think that Cog needs more good just boys? Like, like, okay, so Marcus is a good boy, because there was that whole point. This is a story beat we skipped over. I don't even know who Madam President, what, what was her name? I don't know. Whatever Madam President's name. She was like, hey, uh, I heard Kate is, uh, you know, a bug queen. Is there a way we can connect to her hive mind and get some intel on the bugs? And Marcus is like, are you an idiot? We will never do that. And me and Nate were like, yeah, that sounds like a really bad idea. If the mind communication is anything, it's a two-way street. So the bugs are going to learn everything she knows if she's learning things about them. Oh yeah, I didn't I think know. about it that way. But it, then it's then it's weird because Marcus was part of the hive too, as well, right? So yeah. he was able to get information out of him too. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That didn't doesn't that imply that they got information from Marcus as well? They could have, but that was before the wait. No, the mom was a queen at that point, or she was being she was being uh, crowned queen at that point. No, she was definitely connected to the system because Marcus knew that she was alive still. And that's the only way oh, she'd you'd know, right? One thing we haven't highlighted, the whole point is the Swarm needs a queen as like a central processor for a computer. Like otherwise they are just killing whatever they encounter and just growing like a chaotic mound. And Niles wants there to be a queen to organize the ranks to make them more like the Locust that had kind of a society booming up. Yeah, well, and the whole thing was, is the whole reason why they're genetically mutating these people, if you haven't heard our Gears 4 episode, which, why are you listening to this one? Go back and listen to that one first. But the the whole reason why is because they want to farm this emulsion. It's basically oil, 
and this stuff is highly toxic to humans like more so than oil is which is also toxic to humans but this shit will turn you into this is like radioactive oil basically yeah all right uh man i don't know if we have any more meat points do you have anything god i don't know i could argue about this fucking decision at the end of the game yeah but i think for we already another hour like our core points on it i don't think rehashing this decision more it's a bad decision they shouldn't have put it in the game honestly this is the most sour note in the game and it really is a sour note it 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 like if it weren't for marcus's reaction to jd i would have been angry when i ended but the whole marcus the way that like it was so emotional it was so serious that i was like oh fuck this might be the canon ending and i was telling myself I want to go back and play the ending just on easy just to see what happens when you do it the other way and I just fucking forgot but I I don't it's like who would who would be mourning for Dell besides everyone you know what I mean everyone would just be like oh that sucks but like he was the best like, of us now that's the thing it's like JD caused Marcus to mourn like times 10 right because it's his kid there's yeah. so much more connective tissue there and and at the same time Marcus and JD never really fucking connected, right? Like they were still distant family. Like it's he's like, always sad, Dad. Every got, time Marcus did it or Marcus Jr. did anything, oh, it feels so bad that it just doesn't feel right. JD dying, and I don't want Dell to die. You know what I mean? But it's like, and it's not even like I'm. I don't like death in the series. Like the beginning where uh, the new Carmine dies. Like yeah, or Carmine's got to die. That's what happens. Or at yeah. the end, when Jack dies, dang, you know, I really like Jack. And Jack yeah. died, and, and I felt bummed by that. But it was a good ending for it. It felt right. It had a good taste. Like, the, the, there, the Gears of War has such an amazing track record with grief and, and the resolution of grief. You know what I mean? It's like the whole thing in Gears of War 2, the best part is when... It, uh, fucking uh kai cover your ears the best part is whenever dom and marcus find maria finally someone who dom marcus has been i mean someone who dom's been looking for this whole time whenever they realize that they're taking prisoners right and they're like we might be able to find her and they find her and she's a hollow husk of a human being and basically a zombie and dom like a has to kill character her. It looks yeah. like a Dark Souls Hollow is, is exactly what it looks like. And and this is a planet where everyone it weighs 600 pounds of pure muscle. So the uh, – actually the women don't. There's a lot of sexual dimorphism on, on Sarah. But the uh, he has to kill his wife. And then almost all of the deaths in the series are very impactful. Like even in Gears of War 1 when Min dies – that is a fucking insane death, right? Like that's yeah. the first time. Like Min is a badass when it, it's like Marcus is a Marcus is the killingest dude, but Min is also a real a real badass. He's always fucking charging ahead with everybody, right? He's always in the front lines, even though he's the leader. And the way he dies is trying to get everyone coordinated, getting snuck up on by Rom, and that is to establish Rom as a bad motherfucker that will murder the people you know, right? It's not the same as Carmine who gets his head blown off, right? And then that just becomes a running theme. It's it's a completely different kind of death. I'm not angry that one of them died. I'm just angry not only that it's a choice because it's like the same thing. In The Last of Us Part Two. do you think it would be the – like how do you think people would have reacted if it was a choice between Joel and Ellie, right? It's like instead of Joel dying there to fit the narrative, they were like, who do you want to die, Joel? Or, like It's like what the fuck are you doing? Like <laughs> – Write your own story. Don't force me to do this weird decision. 
I don't know. I feel like the, it. I feel like it was partially because because Gears of War never had this open world kind of thing going on. This unlinear unlinear progression, even though it is linear progression, it, but in an unlinear way. But they that's that's the big feature of the campaign in this game, where you have those two acts that are very open, and you can kind of do side stuff. I think that might have gone to their head to the point where it's like, well, why don't we do that with our narrative somehow? And I'm right, just guys, so we're worried. New Vegas. Yeah. We're all at New Vegas now. I mean, they had Yes Man, right? That is literally what Niles was, is Yes Man. That's always what I called him whenever we saw him. But, oh God, it's just like, they did so fucking good until, until the point. end. Like, okay, I'm hold on. so let's, scorned let's about it. Let's this a little bit. So, did they do so good? Did they really need to sandbag JD so hard just to build up, like, to make the other characters better, like Dell and Kate? Like, Dell and Kate, they're like, they're good characters now. Like Kate is a fantastic character. I'm glad she's a, a part of the Gear series. Like maybe it's because I've played as her the last two games. Or no, wait, did I? I played as Kate the second game. Okay. Oh yeah. Remember, yeah. we made the prediction that Kate was the fucking protagonist. Remember that? Because <laughs> I was Kate the whole time. Because okay. and yeah. then you were mad that she was player two because she was so much more interesting than JD. Yeah, I think that was it. I think I was just jealous that you got to play as Kate and I was stuck with default Fortnite guy. But, yeah, but it's like, yeah, like, I understand what you're saying, that JD was nothing in Gears of War 4, and then the, he actually got a personality in Gears of War 5. He was a fucking, he was a screw-up, that was his personality, but he was so much more interesting. And just to have this vanilla bland character turn into something that I want to see how, I want to see the result resolution of, just fucking vanished in front of me all of a sudden, right when I was interested. And I'm like... You you know that fucking uh you know that that short video where there's a raccoon with with snow and then yeah. it falls in the uh, water and he's grabbing it and it's evaporating <laughs> faster than he can grab it and he just looks at his hands like what just happened like that's what I feel like with JD that perfectly yeah. exemplifies what I feel I don't know I hate how how they like what they did to my boy he's, he was never, he was never my boy but they made him such a loser too like to go through all that like they brought him so low and i'm like all right they're gonna build him back up there was never a build-up there was the one point where he came back and did the right thing by standing by the teammates for act three in the desert but that was it he never evolved because he died and he never will evolve now it feels so much worse because the whole time us knowing there's a choice, we were expecting and, – and the way that it – even if we didn't know there was a choice, we would probably expect betrayal, right? Because yeah. Foss has completely changed. JD looks like a supervillain from a Marvel comic. It's like there, there's, a, there's a real Paragon team and Renegade team in our fucking game right now. But they all turn out to be Paragons. Just JD fucking – sucks at commanding things and it's like <laughs> you gotta there's gotta be there's i i just don't know because now i'm like i have been i have been pulled from the side of just jd dying to the fence of i don't know if there's a canonical ending or not anymore because they both sides are have good merit to it and this is something that philip uh hit on when we were playing the game at the end because most of the game at the end we weren't paying it to we were becoming desensitized because it was just oh, non-stop yeah. shooting the, the whole last time. chapter we were lost in the sauce the whole time but uh philip was constantly on his monitor next to him looking at arguments online about who should die dell or jd and how do you think that how do you think 
the representation online is, Philip. Like, what's Dude, the it split? was a solid 50-50. It wasn't even close to like, oh, JD definitely needs to die. There was so many arguments on either side. The second somebody would post a comment that was like, oh, it is, uh, it's poetic that because Marcus did this, that his he's got to bear the sins of the father or something like that. And the other one was like, are you kidding me? No, Dell is a useless character that all he did was just provide moral support. JD's way more interesting now than he was in 4, so we need JD to live. Like, it was just like, back and forth literally like, me and philip on stream yelling in right now like i was like man we are almost done with the story and it's only an hour in and now it's two hours in you know what i mean so it's like we've been arguing for a while like or not even really arguing we're just trying to like work through this in real time and it's like because it's oh, it's such a fucking bad decision it's such a bad decision I want to say, I almost want to say that this was like my favorite Gears at this point, until this point. And that's what I was saying. Like in the intro, I was like, I recommend Gears 5 for a new person because Gears 4 is redundant. Like all it does is establish the new characters and the new setting. After playing Gears 5, you don't even need to play Gears 4. Like maybe for the characters just to get, get their names right. But yeah, I would say play Gears 5. But then there's that little, little, little whisper in the back of my throat. It's the little Katie, mommy's here of, are you going to choose Dell or JD? And I'm like, oh God, they're going to have to go through that. And they're going to have their own mental gymnastics as they try to decide, not did they make the right choice, but does their choice matter? I wish you could see our faces audience because we just look so exhausted from this we it is it, especially me it has taken so much of my mental i have been i went to bed thinking about this and i woke up thinking about this like i it is it's it is not i was about to say it's the new wolfenstein youngblood but this game is nowhere near as bad as no, that this game is really good <laughs> this game is really good it was just so yeah. dramatic how bad this decision was in my brain it's like i it's like you're eating a cake, like a cheese, like a giant slice of cheesecake at a cheesecake factory. Why not? And then you get to the last piece, and there's like a giant toenail in there, and you're like, oh, you know what I mean? Like that's how I feel about this fucking game. And it's like, okay, well, I didn't eat the toenail, but this is still fucking disgusting. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I don't know. All so, right, do you want to you want to move on to final words? Yeah. Let's yeah, take a I break. Guess. Gears of War 5, a game about dealing with your mom and your grandma and also killing some civilians. Nave, I'll take this first one. Thank you. This game is really good. This is a model of how to do a sequel. They pay respect to the past, but they continue the story. I had a lot of fun playing this game. The mechanics of just the game feel are so good. The sounds are all there. It feels like Gears of War. This makes 4 look like a tech demo of just like, hey, these are the characters or just a prequel even. They could have made 5 and then gone back and made 4 and everyone would be like, oh yeah, this is a cool little like how we got here. But Gears 5 is the complete package. It has some minor narrative trips that it hits where it's just like, oh man, this is kind of weird. The whole like generic oh we have a mental asylum with a little girl's room where she talks <laughs> to monsters we have arbitrary action decisions where it's like we get to save these two characters which one are you going to choose make sure you're team edward or team jacob whatever 
it turns out not to matter. But then some of the feelings do hit when JD talks to Baird, when Jack dies, when we talk to Marcus and just any scene that has Marcus in it is a killer scene. And Marcus isn't with us through a lot of the game. But when we do see him, he's talking to Madam President and being like, no, we are not going to take advantage of Kate or stop basically bashing my wife because she she did what she thought to help our you know human survive. And I'm tired of you throwing her name in my face. All the scenes with Marcus are like 10 out of 10. Shut up, Faz. All that stuff. I love it. This is a great Gears with some minor problems. I recommend everyone go out and play it. I agree. And there's something that you said towards the end of uh, before we get into the break where you were talking about the sins of the father stuff. And I think you were meaning it in reverse. But I think that that is absolutely what this game is. And I think that's probably why I'm so butthurt about watching our playthrough end with JD being the death because JD never gets that sins of the father moment. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, he has this weight of pressure being Phoenix's son and just, ah, God, I can't go on about this anymore, but the game is fantastic. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I was having such a good time and I was enjoying the narrative so much up to that point. I don't get upset about games I don't give a fuck about. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. I'm being tortured by them. Like, I was upset <laughs> by Far Cry because I was being tortured at some point. Or, you know, Wolfenstein was terrible. But we were doing it for the pod. But I would have played this game with Philip completely, even if we decided to never do Gears of War on our show for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, if Gears of War creator Cliff Blazinski ended up bombing a hospital like and then we're like no gears so i would still play <laughs> gears of War with philip yeah i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about gears of war 5 is amazing it is an awesome point to start uh philip's like philip said one of the good things is is in the main menu in the extras you can get a previously on gears 4 and then there's another video that says the previously on all of the gears so you can really get some synopsis energy into your brain and then start this game but the game uh, gears of war 4 genuinely is just a foundational game we were right on the fucking money when we said that in our previous review last month where we were like this is probably just the foundation so that they can tell the fucking story that they really want to tell this story really goes places and do the places they go feel good not all the time but you can't always please everybody with a narrative especially when you decide to introduce choices to the narrative then you're definitely not going to please everybody the whole package is worth the price of entry like we didn't even get into hive busters we didn't dive too far into that but we played a lot of horde we played a lot of multiplayer this game is one of the best if not the best third person shooter that you could possibly play the best feeling third person shooter there it is so fluid so fast and it is so intuitive as well and there's a lot of pve options like there's an entire mode called escape where that we didn't, I didn't even mention. There's a whole mode called Escape that came with the Hive Busters, where you kill way like a whole bunch of enemies trying to get out of a place that you're blowing up. And there's just so much to love about this game, especially if you're into turning people into Gabagool. Oh yeah, I mean this game does have it all. It's got a uh, genetic engineered babies, rogue AI, a Russian civil war trying to preemptively nuke America. Oh and... yeah. If if you're really into having a game with modern having a game injected with modern politics that does it in 
a serviceable fashion this is a game like that like there they there's a lot of topics that come that are like uh i was gonna say fringe but i mean uh, there are a lot of contentious topics that come up in this game like the whole the whole immigration thing i mean uh with with Foz being a being an immigrant to this america area or the the idea of like being a traitor in war you know because paddock is, is one of the turncoats that goes to the side of the cog that's like half of what half of his character arc in uh gears of war judgment is there's a lot of good shit in here like they don't ever like it's just like this happened and you're like whoa they brought that up does that go anywhere no not really and you're like oh, okay well that was interesting that's an interesting still- part of this guy's character now they handle it much better than Far Cry Six did. Was it Six we played? Yeah, Far Cry, Far Cry 6. Six. Do you know what they do to people like me in America? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> or what was it? You think? What and do you then, think happens to people with our skin color over there? Yeah, it's like, and then we gave it way too much credit when we head cannoned. Oh, this has got to be the propaganda machine at work in front of our eyes, Philip. Like this is the no, only way oh, I can no, rationalize no, no. it. I, I've gone back and I've decided it's just bad. <laughs> it's bad writing in the game. Are you telling me that bad writers inject all of their dumb shit in there without any like resonance within the fucking canon? But I think you're just throwing like Twitter hashtags in there hoping to get some buzz. Yes. Yeah, this will be a really good little moment in the trailer, like a two second clip. Yeah, they needed anyway. the voice clip. That way they could put it in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, Gears of War doesn't do any of that. Gears of War is pretty tasteful about everything. There's a lot of different things too. Like there, you know, it's like genetic modification to fucking babies. Like that brings into that brings into light, uh, not the light, but that brings into question the morality and ethics of unborn children. You know what I mean? It doesn't really go too far, but that's like a fucking major plot point of this game. Like, and these people need children. Like the world was decimated yeah, by the like no like, humans left. Oh, to the point where if you want to live in one of the cog cities, you are forced to be pregnant. You are required to bear a child, to be a member of society, to have rights as a civilian. You have to have a child. Yeah, I mean, and and also like the huge story beat of Dell. I mean, well, not Dell, but uh, JD being uh, the person who was responsible for a quote-unquote massacre that nobody really knows, like, ten, like uh, concretely what happened because it's all just told from the perspective of multiple different characters. Where some characters like Foz were like, those were fucking dangerous protesters trying to kill us, and then some people like Dell and Kate were like, you just killed like how many innocent people that didn't need to die that were peacefully protesting, and it's like. It's similar. It's like it's it's very similar to how we experience this kind of shit on social media. You know what I mean? Where oh, yeah. for the first like two days, you have no idea what the fuck happened. You know what I mean? It's like you will hear whatever you want to hear because there's seven million different sides all speaking at the same time trying to get their thing through. You know what I mean? And it's you know, and of course, like I said, it doesn't exactly go anywhere. It is just a part of JD's character. There's no statements made. There's no like sides taken. Like. Even though characters do definitively take sides, the game never moralizes at you. It never feels preachy. I think that's the point I'm trying to get at. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting because he also thinks, like, you ever have that guy at work who's a little bit extreme than what you'd expect? And he's like, (laughs) I don't feel so good about the United States. And I'm like, whoa, bud. We were were in the Air Force. What are you doing? Yeah, like it's fucking great. Like I'm at, I, I work at the post office, and I always hear somebody going, "They're trying to take our guns away, but," and oh, I'm like, no. "What the fuck is going on over there?" 
<laughs> but I didn't. It's like, but there's always people yelling. So it's like, is that person just being dumb? Like just funny? You know what I mean? Because he sounds like he's being funny, but I, I honestly don't know in this climate anymore. Oh, to the point. Uh, Nave, I don't know if this is Rob on the pod, but I keep sending you my political memes that I collect. Yeah. And yeah. they, it's, they're the worst. They are, they are the worst. <laughs> I see them and I take like psychic damage from reading them, and I'm like. I, Nave, I can't tell if this is a joke meme that someone made or if this is an actual like 60 year old dude made this meme thinking he was cracking wise at the other side of the, the Senate hall or whatever. And he was owning the libs. <laughs> I didn't want to say it exactly like that, but pretty yeah. much, yeah. Because that's, was, that's the thing. We were, this is back when we were playing Fall Guys, and Philip was like, Nave, I'm, I'm in this Facebook group, and I, if I have to see this shit, you have to see it too. And he proceeds to send me. Not one, not three, but like 40 in a row. These, the worst memes I've ever seen. And I am just like, Philip, I'm going to fucking block you. You've got to stop. Like, you can't. I can't take this anymore, dude. And then he's dude. like, okay, well, I'm going to just put, he, he will, like, we'll have a group chat with someone who's going to be a guest, and he'll randomly just throw in a really shitty meme. And I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> Philip. Oh, God, Philip, stop. <laughs> See, I hope they, they realize I'm not taking the meme serious, but the scary part is someone out there is taking it serious. Every <laughs> joke we make about, oh yeah, they're going to take our guns or whatever, like all stuff, someone out there is dead serious. They are going to take our guns. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I'm just I'm just so glad I'm not that guy. Sometimes I wake not up yet. and I'm like, uh, not oh. yet. That's a fucking good yeah. point. Didn't we get, what was it, like episode four? We we claimed that we were going to become a political extremist podcast at some point. Yeah, <laughs> this is where our political views go. Yeah. Anyways, what are we playing next week? We need to talk about video games. What are we playing next week? I have no idea. Maybe ESO, ESO. Maybe? Oh, that was the thing. I think I was trying to sneak that in there somewhere uh, in the middle part where I was. We were supposed to have uh, Eric from Game Positive on, but he ended up getting uh, sick a few days ago, and he is still very sick. And we hope you get well soon, Eric. I don't know why we're bringing this up two hours into the show. But um, so I was excited for this because Eric would have been this third party of the whole argument that we just had for an hour, right? Like I wanted someone to lose. I wanted someone to definitively win the argument, me and Philip, because we are passionately entrenched on our sides. I don't know if you noticed, but um, not really. We don't care really in the long run, but uh, having that third person there, we tried to get Pinecone on, and when uh, Morgan from the Intergalactic Pinecast, and he was like, "I actually didn't finish the campaign." And I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh, no, we need, you need to finish Act Four, otherwise your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah, well, not that opinion. He was like, "I played oh, it the doesn't shit out matter. of Horde." Did you see? Did he, uh, no, I mean, not, did you see? But you can play Jack in Horde. Philip did this, and apparently. Uh, he played because I. The reason why I asked him is because I was looking on our. You can compare times on Xbox with your friends, and, and that sometimes is accurate. Usually, it's not. But I saw that he had like five more hours than me, and I had like twenty-eight hours. So I was like, "Oh fuck, he's played so much of this game." And uh, apparently, he was just playing Horde basically, and he was a Jack main. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we went around just healing people, and I'm like, "See, I know Jack good wasn't you, that good. Like, he's not. I mean, he's defense." That's the only thing or support. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like do, it's like being completely defensive. Is that like worth it in the long run? Whereas, you, or you could be the best offense is defense. Like if you are killing people, you are actively reducing the amount of incoming damage. You know what I mean? Where Jack doesn't yeah. really do that. Jack will, Jack can like mind control. He basically has the some of the moves of Jack in the campaign. Yeah. 
All right, we anyway. need to end this. <laughs> yeah. So we'll probably do ESO next week. Hopefully we can get some games in, run some dungeons, get some dailies, get that sweet loot, and read them Elder Scrolls. Yeah, well, all that stuff you just said. We'd even come back to Gears of War 5 at some point and do Hive Busters and stuff. Maybe talk yeah, a little bit more I think about the multiplayer be, uh, stuff. Maybe a fun, like, if we need to take a break one week, we'll just do quick Hive Busters, because I think the campaign's only, like, four hours long for the DLC. Yeah, and we, so the, and one thing we didn't mention is that we've been, we played both of these Gears games on experience, which is, like, the heroic difficulty, but these games are very unforgiving. <laughs> like, there are some instant death weapons. And so... We got into the Hive Busters. We only did like one chapter, and then we instant died like once. And we, and Philip was like, "No more. I can't do this. <laughs> We're done." And so we had been playing Gears for like sixty percent of the last two days. So, oh well. Bye bye. All now. right. Well, thanks for joining us this week, co-op partners. Maybe next time we can all get electric brain lobotomies together. Or. Dom the girl. I don't know. I froze up. I froze <laughs> up. Works. I always default the Dom. See ya. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>